I don't mean to be so uptight But my heart's been hurt a couple times By a couple guys that didn't treat me right I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie Alexa, play Meant to Be Okay If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be Baby, just let it be If it's meant to be with Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. I want to play a game. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. Fairly alarmed here. <laughs> Welcome to MOTM Reads, that is Masters of the Nerdiverse Reads, where we look into some of the best literary gems that comic books have to offer, as well as graphic novels. Um, you can also find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, and iHeartRadio. Yes, we're all over the internet, as it were. I am, of course, your host, Mike G., and I am beyond ecstatic <laughs> to do this show this week because I have someone that I've known for quite some time and has been a actual blessing, I would say, in regards to my comic book knowledge and my availability to comic book knowledge. And I would like to introduce Jeffrey's Comics' own Jeffrey. Hi, how's it going, guys? Yes, sir. How's everything going, Jeff? Oh, it's going pretty good. January is looking good for comic books. Yes, it is. And uh, they just keep coming out with good stuff. So we're pretty happy. I love that. Yeah. Especially um, there's always the big two. Yeah. Marvel and DC. But I always love seeing like the other smaller uh, comic book uh, publishers you know, put throwing their 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 hat in the ring. They're not doing too well right now. Oh, <laughs> if we no. don't, I don't think we want to do a business of the business behind comic books. But right oh, now, no the only the only people who are really performing well are DC. Oh like, man, Marvel and Image have both taken pretty big hits. Wow, on their business side, and unless they do something about it, they're going to keep taking those hits. So yeah, we'll I've see. noticed a quality, uh, kind of a quality check in regards to DC. Where they've been putting out some really good stuff. Uh, we were talking about earlier, uh, Batman White Knight is yeah. one of the better books. Uh, the Doomsday Clock, which I'm really looking forward to seeing. Doomsday my Clock number too. three just came out this Wednesday. Um, yeah. Uh, you've got, aside from Batman White Knight, aside from Doomsday Clock, you've got Batman Metal and yes. all of the Batman Metal tie-ins. Yes. And so that's like six books a month almost from DC that we're selling over a hundred copies of. That's cool, man. Like, and that that's a big deal. If, if Marvel was selling those numbers right we'd be doing this podcast from my mansion <laughs> but sadly marvel does not do those numbers it seems like yeah it's they need to stop worrying about thinking of the business as at the cost of the other one right and like dc funny. seems to think that they can only win by hurting marvel and marvel seems to think they can only win by hurting dc but if marvel and dc just said hey Let's do the Avengers and Justice League comic book. That Money. would be the first comic book Money. to sell a million copies yeah. in decades. It's, and so it's it's a little bit of everybody needs their heads out of their butts. If I found out at Comic-Con they announced like the Amalgam comics were coming back, yes, it would I just, blow my mind. I made a over. joke about that, talking about how Marvel could bring right. some success back. And I said they could just start printing the Amalgam comics. I had three customers who just heard me make that joke. Say, yeah. Oh, man, I would Money. buy those. Money. Like, 
Uh, so people easy. like fun stuff. Exactly. And DC is doing like, what if the Flash was also Batman I and love, evil? I love the DC the metal stuff. Yeah. I've been drawing them like crazy because the designs are so wacky. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how that book's going to end. Like yeah. I've been reading it. I feel like the how whole universe has to start. I, I don't know. It's <laughs> Something so crazy. crazy. But yeah, um, the book we're talking about this week um, is a actual classic. I just found out this book is actually from 1989, uh, which was the year that um, Tim Burton's Batman came out, which is kind of a funny uh, coincidence given the uh, subject matter of both the film and this book. Uh, This book was actually uh, quite groundbreaking at the time, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. Because it's so different. It's so... So different in the book. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, I wish I uh, wish my dad could be here for this little part because he was uh, he owned the store back then. Yes, and uh, he could have told you like the crazy sales because this is a, a hardcover book. Yes, so it wasn't just like the idea of a graphic novel; it was the idea of a hardcover. Wow, so, like one of the in first, 1989, huh? it's one of the first comic books to ever come out as just a hardcover. Wow. Because, uh, like, Dark Knight didn't have that. It was four single mm-hmm. comic books before it became a hardcover. This one started as a hardcover. The cover. birth of the true graphic novel. Yeah. Huh? Kind of and, in a weird way. And uh, it's, like, also it really changed the way that, like, creators got paid. Because I've heard Grant yeah. Morrison say that, like, he still makes more money from Arkham Asylum now <laughs> than he does from anything else that he does. Like, because he, he got so... I think I remember this is not 100% in there. Yeah. So don't quote me precisely. <laughs> but basically, like, DC didn't want to do it. And so he's like, you can just pay me based on how many units sell. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was the best-selling graphic novel of all time <laughs> because it was the, almost the first. And so it sold like a new comic book. That's back crazy. So, it w- so he said like he made over a million dollars in 1989 from sales. That's insane. Yeah. From a, from a comic book from writer. a comic book writer. This isn't a movie producer. This yeah. isn't like some big name actor. This is a comic book writer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And make those kind of numbers in 1989. Well, he was smart because... Because he also came over from Britain, so he had already been doing comic books. But then this was this and Animal Man were his first forays into American oh, comic books. Don't get me started on Animal uh, Man. My, two of my favorite, two of my top ten favorite all time single graphic novels. I wish DC, uh, I wish Warner Brothers would get their act together so we can get all Animal Man on the live screen. Uh, that would have to be a TV show, though. Right? Would you Would you want that on CW? I mean, that's really the only. I mean, that's the only that's the only place for DC shows. And I mean, I'm waiting for them to make a mistake. Honestly, they keep not. I watch all of them. They're all really good. I've been watching Black Lightning. I had to just stop watching Green Arrow because I felt it was the least good. Of right, all of and them. it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> I, but I love The Flash. I love Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. Time travel gives you five extra points on my scale. Yes, sir. And they're just so silly with it. But uh, then they also love to do time travel, like actual intricate time travel planning. Yes. Which is another level of writing that a lot of people skip. I talk about that all the time, that time travel is such a slippery slope in regards to writing. Mm-hmm. Because you have to kind of be on your ball and, and to keep everything kind of tied together. Oh, absolutely. You know keep I mean? your so, rules set up. Keep what the person's doing logical. Exactly. It, it It's... It's easy to write bad time travel. It's really hard to write good time travel. Yeah, I always give my I mean, friends. It's like there's a reason that when we're saying the word time travel, the only movie that everybody who's listening to this is thinking of is Back to the Future. You know what? It's funny because I always give like, my friends like time travel could be Bill and Ted yeah. or it could be Primer. 
like, yeah, no, exactly. And they, between, they right? all have a place because Bill and Ted is great. Yes. And then Back to the Future is more about the personal journey than the science fiction. Yes. That's a big part of time travel. Yes. Uh, uh, this is not the time travel show. This is not the time travel the Arkham cast. Asylum show. This is the Batman Arkham Asylum show. This is the Batman Arkham Asylum reads in... When I first picked up this book was at Jeffrey's Comics, uh, located Gardena, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, sir. And I, we was like, we had a comic book club where yep. we would meet every Tuesday, and we would talk about these graphic novels. We get assignments like homework. Mm-hmm. Hey, read Starman Omnibus. What's that? Read uh, Pride of Baghdad. Oh, you know, good so good. Things I would have never picked up, mm-hmm. right? And I wasn't around. I wasn't cognizant in 1989 to be buying oh, books. Yeah. So this would have been completely off my radar. Mm-hmm. And I took this home that night, took the bus, came home, and was like, what am I looking at? The artwork is so, I said tactile. Yeah. It almost feels like you, it's almost like you can smell the pages. In oh, a absolutely. Way. Dave McKean uses a lot of photography as artwork. Yes. Like if you, like if the original art, quote unquote, could exist for this, it would have like stuff glued to the pages because I've like that. seen some yeah. of his artwork and that's how it's done. Like he makes a full on collage, like some of them have <laughs> screws in it yeah, and like right? broken glass and stuff. It's real broken glass. He didn't draw broken draw glass. Draw broken he broke glass. Broke glass and put it on the page and scanned that page. The in. one with the electrode. Okay, we're jumping ahead. This is crazy. Yeah. This is crazy. Um so what we would do at Comic Book Club, which we're gonna do here at MLT and Reads, is we would do our fan cast where we actually break down the main characters of the story and we cast them based on actors present. We don't do past present because that would be kind of cheating, but anyone who's in the industry now. Are... Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, Lawrence Olivier is Batman. Right. Done. Done. Got you know, it. zip, you know, right. Oh man. But yeah, we go through our fan casts and we kind of pick our, our uh, directors, we pick the actual actors, and we talk about it because this is always a really fun part of the process. Is if you were to make a film out of Arkham Asylum, what would it look like? What do you think would it would be best to look like? And you can also decide if it should be a television show. That's uh, th- some, and that's part of our discussion as well, right? Absolutely, because some fit better as television shows. Oh, for sure. Where in this case for Asylum, I feel like. This is a movie. It's this the way this book is constructed. It has no. It has a beginning. It has a middle. It has an end. Oh, absolutely! This it, is a really tight, tight, tight. I mean, you could expand this story when you turn it into a movie. Honestly, easily, and it's timeless. This mm-hmm. isn't any particular Batman in any particular canon in any particular no, storyline. That's very important, I think, for it. Is that like. It doesn't mention a bunch of stuff that's happening yeah. in 1989. He's not like talking about Reagan and Bush. Right. It doesn't date it in any way. Any like way. Like you were shocked when I said, no, this was 1989. Yeah, because I thought this was like a like, mid-90s book. I, reading it again, it just, it, you could have put this book out today. It would have been, it, it would have been exactly the same. Yes. And that's what makes it so special to me that you can give this book to anyone and say, do you like Batman? You want to see some, read something cool? I mean, you just cool? have to know the basic concept of Batman. If exactly. you have any experience with the character Batman, movies, TV shows, yes. comic books, you'll get Arkham Asylum. You'll get Arkham Asylum. And that's a perfect segue into how we're going to cast this bad boy. So um, would you prefer for me to start, Jeff? Yeah. My, I'm letting Mike start because mine is super weird. That's awesome. Weird is good. Weird is good. So when I think about this book, and if you've read this book, you, you can probably understand where I'm coming from, hopefully, because I am a bit weird. That it gives me a very strong horror vibe. 
This book is very dark in its atmosphere and its in its subject matter. It's like I almost horror has a very specific connotation now, yes. and it's like boo scary. Yes, but this is not that. This is like psychological terror, yes. like Silence of the Lambs yes. or the kind of the. Like movies nowadays would make you afraid of a cat jumping out of a corner. Yeah, they don't it's make all you jump scares. It's all jump scares. They don't make you truly afraid of the thing. Yeah, that's that is the subject matter. Yeah, of whatever the horror. horror movie we're talking about the fear, right? So I, I was, was like, thinking, uh, so like, oh, VHS was the last one I saw that ooh, was like, oh shit. There's some there's some scenes in VHS that's that's like, insane, dude. Uh, I can <laughs> still creep my wife out to this day. We watched it six years ago, and I can still do a line from it. Yeah, it, the the part where it's the girl who says, "I like you." Oh my god, I can do I can do, I can do my Stop eyes it. the way she does it, and yeah. so my wife just loses her mind if I do. That it like that. freaks me out so hard because oh, it was so good. It was so good, and it had the perfect burn. Okay, we could talk about VHS. Yeah. All day but if you haven't seen vhs please check out vhs because it's one of the best anthologies since creep show oh for sure easily right it's the best i haven't, I haven't seen vhs too it's okay it's not as good okay it's not as good but um when i was thinking of directors i was thinking atmosphere i was thinking someone if you give them a bit more to chew mm-hmm. they would probably do very well with this and the director that came to mind was james wan I'll, that was on my short list actually yes. that was literally the other name there, that i see? was thinking about i was like he would do really good. He would good. do a really good job um, in regards to the atmosphere because this book is full of blues. It's mm. full of like deep reds. It's full mm. of kind of those atmospheric colors. And a lot of James Wan's films are very color corrected. And oh, yeah. You know I think I mean? that I. this is just my own experience, but I think that happens more in Asian film, both being yes. dedicating yes. to style. Mm-hmm. Like they, they do films for style points. And yes. sometimes I miss that, man. It's, like, I feel like no movies really have a bunch of set up shots anymore. Mm-hmm. Like uh, only, I think only one movie like super impressed me this year. Yeah. What was that? I'm curious. Uh, Baby driver. Baby driver. So cool. But that's, that's Edgar Wright, man. That guy. I, I feel, he's I, like I, Howard Hobbs with the camera, like man. People are, people are going back and forth about the Academy Awards. I was yeah. like, unless Baby Driver was nominated for all 10 Best Pictures, I'm done. <laughs> I'm super I straight. Just, it, was, it was the only movie that really showed me something new. Yes. So, like, yes, maybe you could, you could easily argue that other movies are better movies. Right. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because we've had a bunch of super serious, well-done movies, yes. but I would say that those are just, they're the same as the next super well-done, exactly. good movies you're going to see next Thrill year. Thrill me, right? They have, well, they have the same atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Like, the story definitely elevates some plain stories above others. Like, one of my favorite movies is Good Will Hunting, and it's yes. a very plain story. Mm-hmm. It's just written so well. Well. But the movie itself is not something like, you, you don't speak about the directing. Right. And I just, I can't think of a lot of movies like this year where I'm thinking about the directing specifically. It makes you want to break it down while you're watching it. Yeah, and, and that's like, the coolest but like, part. You want some atmospheric shots so you just feel like you're part of the movie when it just cuts from talking to talking you're to never talking fully to invested. talking. You just, I, I feel like you burn out because there's yeah. no point in your life where you're just listening to, listening to someone talk exactly. nonstop without you being involved for an hour and a half. Yeah. And every form of stelly storytelling needs to learn to take that step back yes. and let some of that be filled in by the consumer let of the, the art. scene breathe. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. sometimes some of the more quieter moments in a insidious or the conjuring or sinister are those quiet moments where the atmosphere is just breathing down your neck. 
and you can feel it. Well, it's like when me, you ask most people, like, what's the scariest movie? Right. What do you think? What do you, not necessarily what's your scariest movie. What do you think most people will answer? Exorcist. Yep. Easy. And I would say Jaws probably would Jaws be the second, is second. one. <laughs> and I'm saying that neither of those movies have anything particularly scary in it. No. Like if you take yeah. out if you just took out a scene and watched it out of context, you'd yeah. be like, why do people why are people That's scared silly. by this why movie? Is that? Yeah. But when you watch the whole movie, you're like, Oh, oh my god, beaches. beaches. No. Oh no. <laughs> Father Marin. Yeah. Don't jump out that window. Yeah, exactly. You know? I'm not walking stairs ever. Ever again. That's why I'm fat. You know what? did it to me. You know what? Jaws did it to me. That's why I'm fat. I don't go to the beach, man. Yeah. The second yeah, I step don't in need Jaws no beach body me. when you're staying away from Jaws. I love this quote from Rob Zombie. He went to go see it with his little brother. And he said that they were getting out the theater. And he was literally in the bathroom of the theater thinking shark. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, somehow it's going to come through the toilet and yep. get me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I choose director James Wan um, for this weird nightmarish almost Batman film that I will be- give you my director yes okay because uh, the casting all needs to be done at once but my director doesn't give a clue as to my weird mind uh, <laughs> Brian Fuller is the Ooh, yeah, American yeah. Gods TV show runner and yes. runner of Hannibal the television show Both two excellent. of the most be- <laughs> inarguably the most beautiful shows of the last decade on television you, you cannot like their that. subject matter because it, they get pretty messed up yes but you can't deny that it's beautiful and messed up yes. and Arkham Asylum is beautiful, it's and, beautiful messed and messed up you so know? I would love him to just do the movie see I love this this is why this is cool because we're making two completely different movies but at the same time they're both being completely respectful to the source material in different ways, yeah. which is the good sign, which is a big sign of a good story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Something that could be retold over and over from different points of view. Oh yeah, you I think I mean? that's I think that's something that people don't value is the mm-hmm. ability to retell a story. Yeah, um, both just by you rereading it yourself. Yes. And also in like how timeless it is, how it could be remade to still reflect the exact same discussion that we're having today about ourselves. Exactly. Like there, like like some of some of the psychiatry might be updated a little bit. Yeah, but that's about it. That's about it. You know what I mean? And but the the core subject matter is still as strong as ever. Mm -hmm. My Batman might as well come out swinging. Uh, When I read this book and I look at the artwork, it reminds me of. Kind of like the 80s Batman, the slimmer, blue cape, gray costume, mm-hmm. you know, yellow shield. So I don't think of a bulky Batman. Yeah. And when I read this book, I also don't think of a young Batman. I think of a seasoned Batman for some reason because he's – because just the way that – The world itself feels lived in. So it feels like all of the people in it should also be lived in. Exactly. Like I don't think anybody should be young. Like I was almost thinking of a young mm-hmm. uh, actress for – Ruth Adams, the doctor. Yes. But then I was like, you know what? Like, I want this person to be a lived, a, a living funny. person. And so I went much older. The youngest person on my cast is the doctor for me. Okay. Because I always thought, like, she could be in the Arkham Asylum and just now. And this is her case study. The Joker uh, is her case there study. There is the... The only person that is clearly the youngest from my cast would be Young Arkham. You know what, Young Arkham? I take that back. Young Young Arkham is the youngest of the cast. Yeah, but after that, uh, I don't think there's anybody that stands out as being substantially younger than the rest when when we get to mine. Cool. Perfect. So, for my Batman, I've chosen Mad Men's John Hamm. 
I think he has the I build. Always had, I always had John Hamm as Superman myself. You know, it's funny because if you take off the mask and take mm-hmm. away the curl, Batman and Superman physically can look the same outside of posture. You know what I mean? Uh, Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent don't look the same, but no, Batman and Superman, Superman do. do. I get exactly. that. Exactly. Yes. So when I think John Hamm, I can think either way. Like I can see yeah. him as a – you put some weight on him, he could be yeah. Superman. You slim him down, he could be more of a and I honest, Batman. I also honestly think that if you can figure out one of the characters, you should be able to figure out the other. Yes. Because it's basically they want all the same things and do it the exact opposite way. Exactly. I love. And I'm, so if you can wrap your head around Batman doing it basically for negative reasons. Yes. To like prevent uh, the same thing that happened to him to happen to anybody else. And right. And Superman does it kind of out of love. I don't want anybody to be hurt. And yeah. so you should be able to. It's a different type of psychosis. It's, and but they seem so close to each other that I would think I would love to see Christian Bale play Superman. I think it would have been brilliant with but like with a good Superman script, not any of this garbage we've that, been we, that we got now. Like a good Superman script with him as the yeah, that would have I think that would have been really interesting, especially to see how far someone like that could have taken the physical transformation. Yes, that Clark Kent and Superman have to go it through. It is something that and it's something Grant Morrison chimed on and really made. Uh, more revel- relevant to me is that the strides it takes Superman to actually look like make Clark Kent look different. Mark Wade did that first. Mark Wade, okay, Mark, much yeah, but to- they both did it. Yes, they All-Star both did Superman it. had it. Yes, um, but so did uh, Superman Birthright by Mark Wade. Good book. It's fantastic. Good book. There's, yes, there's two great Superman origins, and that's one of them. Yes, and in that he takes acting classes. Really? That's so that's that so he can smart. act, and then he like it shows his mom making suits that are specifically too big. Yes, and so but then like you look at the sketch, you can look at the sketches for when um when Frank Quitely is drawing it I for All Star. It's so that. amazing because he shows how he uses the exact same sized person. Yes, but how he makes Clark Kent look a foot shorter. shorter. Even he though slouches. he slouches, he brings and himself he in. He hunches. And he just compacts himself yes. so much, and uh, but then, I, I but then, I back, back to birthright. Yes, uh, but then Lois Lane is like, "You're hunching all the time." And she's super noticed. I know, and I'm like, "Oh, Ooh, that is, that is so the smart. single best panel of Lois yeah. Lane that has ever been written." <laughs> it's so smart, dude. It's so smart. So that was where, because I was thinking. Don Draper, Bruce Wayne, easily. He could I mean, pull he that certainly off. has Bruce Wayne down, but I would point out Bruce Wayne does not appear in this book. That's very true. But I would like to give that range to a John Hamm because I, I think like he's always been on the cusp of being that next level actor. Mm-hmm. And I think this would be the role where uh, he can really. I, I would have him play Superman right now, and right? I don't even I don't even bat, mind the guy who plays Superman. Bat, not even bat in the eye, right? Yeah, uh, but you know? but like, oh man, John Hamm just he. My my time travel cast is John Cusack. Yes, <laughs> but we're not doing time travel casts. So That's fine. On. That's fine. Oh man, next big name, the Joker. Mm-hmm. You're start. You're coming out swinging. You're coming starting out with swinging. The two big ones. Two big ones. I want to get them. These guys knocked out because they're the two. One of the two most iconic characters in literature. Funny enough, in this modern day and age, mm-hmm. and my pick for Joker is someone I've always wanted to play Joker. Mm-hmm. Always, always since I've seen him on screen. And I'm just going to drop the name, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe plays great, crazy people. He plays great, crazy people. And the thing about this Joker is that he's an effeminate Joker in a mm-hmm. weird way to get under Batman's skin. Yeah. 
And I think Willem, you know, based on his Boondock Saints work. And, Certainly. And based on his, you know, of course, Spider-Man. The whole time I was watching Spider-Man, I was like, he's a better Joker to me. Oh, man. He just, he was kind of wasted in that movie. He shouldn't so he shouldn't have died and the mask shouldn't have been, been hard on. metal. Because his face. As, otherwise, a really damn good movie. Like, you watch it now and you're like, it's just okay. Yeah. But you've got to remember what we super fans had back then. And, and it, it was, was nothing. Nothing like what we saw. Nothing. I will tell you the nerdiest thing ever. I used to work at Long's Drugs over by El Segundo, California. Just to, so you guys can mm-hmm. personally know where I was at. And I brought, and I was at work, so I had my slacks and my shirt and whatever. I brought a bag full of clothes because I was going to go right mm-hmm. to the, the opening showing of Spider-Man when it came out. So I had my pants that had a acid-washed Spider, uh, Tom McFarlane Spider-Man on the leg. Nice. It was an Echo Spider-Man edition clothing. Oh, cool. And it had this um, button-up t-shirt that had all the comics on them, like mm-hmm. in a collage. And it had a white t-shirt. With a Spider-Man kind of holographic, where it went from the comics to the red and blue suit to the symbiote suit. Cool. And it was my favorite outfit of all time. I wore it my first day of art school. Yeah. Just so people knew where I was coming from. Yeah. And I was the nerdiest guy. I was like, where'd you get those pants from? Like, don't worry about it, man. (laughs) (laughs) These these are my secret pants. But uh, needless to say, uh, Willem Dafoe is my Joker. If If they rebooted the DCEU again, which just looks like what they're doing... I would want I would want them to him to be Joker so bad. Like mm-hmm. I just think well, I think they the I think they will reboot the Suicide Squad and oh. probably ba- everything in the Batman part because yeah. whatever's going on with Ben Affleck looks like it's just all falling apart. He's he's over it. I think yeah. he's just totally messed up. So I don't out. know if they're gonna figure out a way to make him happy or if they're going to just find another actor. I'm hearing two things. I'm hearing uh, one, he's super unhappy, but he's going to do it. He's mm-hmm. going to do it at least until Suicide Squad 2. Yeah. And I'm hearing if he was to quit today, Jake Gyllenhaal would be taking his role. Hmm. Which is <sighs> weird. Which at first was weird. And then I watched Southpaw and I was like, fine. Yeah. I mean, I guess I haven't seen be. him do anything physical. And if he's really physical in that. Definitely watch Southpaw. It's mm-hmm. his his boxing film. Yeah. Made me cry. Like, he sold me, dude. Like, yeah. this guy can do emotion. Because usually he has these... This baby face, and it's like, I don't know, man. Yeah. But in Southpaw, he's so rough and rugged and just emotes, and he's, his body was just cut. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is this is Bruce Wayne going going nuts on a burglar, man. This is like, this okay. is the character. So I can see Jake. I would have no problem with that. But for my Joker, I'm definitely going to go Willem Dafoe. Okay. I, I've got a cut of... Outside of my crazy casting that yes. we'll get to, I've got a couple things that I could throw in. I, I thought Mads Mikkelsen would be an amazing Joker, especially in the the androgynous sense. Like yes. he could pull that off so well. I have I have a I have a poster of Mads Mikkelsen in my room. Mm-hmm. And apropos of nothing, it matches nothing else going yeah. on because I'm such in love with this guy as an actor as a person. Mm-hmm. Like even now, he's doing work with Hideo Kojima for um, his next big game, Death Stranding, where Hideo's working with Guillermo del Toro and um, oh, Norman Reedus. And of course, then he's like best friends with Mads Mikkelsen. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm, this guy can do anything. You know, I want, he was my Dr. Doom. Yeah. Honestly, oh, absolutely. He he was my. If we were to cast the Fantastic Four today, I would want him. To I be just, Dr. Doom. I think he's such a great actor that I would put him it, it pretty much in any of the roles in this movie because he's good at being creepy. He's too. gonna be creepy. So too. he could be Arkham. He could be Joker. He could be. Uh, I would want him to be a major role. So yes. I mean, he could even be Batman. He could even be Batman because he's tall and skinny. He could do tall, skinny Batman. He could put on weight if he they needed to bulk him out. So definitely, um, for my Commissioner Gordon. 
Another guy I've always seen as Commissioner Gordon, but never got the break was William H. Macy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know who that is, he's actually he's in one of my favorite movies. Um, not a, as soon as I say it, the movie leads my mind. But think Fargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the comic book film where he was in? Um, with Mystery Men. Mystery Men. Thank you. He yeah. was the digger. Yes, right. he sure was. Yes, and he just has that mustache face where it can yeah. be perfect old because a Batman's old, Gordon's older. Yeah. So I'm thinking like a William H. Macy would be a perfect fit for that. He's on the, the show Shameless now for other, yes. for, uh, as another reference. Yes. Uh, with Emily Rossum, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, for Amadeus Arkham, who's kind of the bookends of this story. And if I was to direct this, I would have this be the main story and have the Batman part be the secondary mm-hmm. as a, when Batman comes, you're glued to the screen. Yeah. And let, let him open and close this story. And I was thinking of an actor who can really do a fun descent into, into madness. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking Brian Cranston. Oh, that's fun. Yes. I love that. I, his voice could do the narration because he has a yeah. very good voice. Mm-hmm. And this man can act his ass off and he's been doing it since Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Even before then, since like Seinfeld. The racist, well, the racist X-Files, where he's the racist alien. Yes, right? Oh, geez, I forgot about that episode. <laughs> That's the episode that got him the job on Breaking Bad. Yes. Oh, man, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Well, because it was produced by the guy who created Breaking Bad. He worked on X-Files first. Wow. And that was one of his episodes. And when he started writing Breaking Bad, he thought back to that time that he had Brian Cranston. Wow. In the backseat of Mulder's car for the, the car <clears throat> drive episode. And he's like... He would be perfect in Breaking Bad. He would, man. and like AMC made him try so many other people. He's like, no, no, this is the guy. Brian Cranston is the dude, He's and such a genius, I like it, man. I totally agree. I, I think want that him. would be an amazing. Okay, so he could start Arkham. clean cut, and then by the end of this film, just have the beard and the hair, and oh, absolutely, drawing the circular, you know, super text all around his. Mm-hmm. So yes, a um, lot of this movie uh, or the movie that we're making also reminds me of Dark City. Yes. I feel like you could borrow mm-hmm. a lot of actors and directors and Ron everything Perlman from Dark fit. City. Was Ron Perlman in Dark City? No, no, he was in the other one. He was in Lost Children, right? City of Lost. City Children, of Lost yes. Children. Okay, I'm mixing those up. But yeah, just that atmosphere, that infinite blue, that, yeah. that, 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 and uh, spirals movie. everywhere. Crazy spir- people drawing spirals. Yes. So. If you see your, your friend and he's just drawing spirals, don't talk to him that day. Mm-hmm. Just let him draw his spirals. Um, for young Amadeus, it's kind of a, a lob, but I really like this young actor. His name is Finn Wolfhart. He's the uh, he was in, he was recently in um, Stephen King's It, the recent remake okay. as Richie. And I didn't watch the It movie. Oh, so good! I watched. Right. It. We did a review on it uh, nice. recently, and uh, he was also the uh, kid in Stranger Things. Uh, not. Uh, no, I'm so bad with the names. He was—he wasn't the kid that kept getting possessed. <laughs> he was his buddy, the one that's actually in love with Eleven. If spoilers, um. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not watching Stranger Things, I—I uh, t- I will tell you to do it immediately. But yeah, he's a good young actor. I think he can pull off. I would debate you if we ever had a Stranger Things debate. I'm not a fan. Not a fan of him. Not a fan. He's not the best. Oh, no, I don't mean the actor. I mean the show. I'm oh. not a fan of Stranger Things. Ooh, I think the actors are actually good. Yeah, we got to do that because Stranger Things is hit or miss with a lot of people. So I would love to debate that. Um, Mother Arkham, a send up to my Jason Wan pick. Mm-hmm. Mother Arkham, is, for me, is going to be Lynn Shay. And Lynn Shay is the elderly woman who plays the psychic in the Insidious films. And she's also um, um, sister to Bob Shay who was the, one of the guys who helped create New Line Cinema. Mm-hmm. And she's a she's a character actress. But she's if you know Insidious, she's the older lady who has that gas mask on. She ends up 
um, being an author. She was just in the most recent um, Insidious film. Uh, what was it? The Lost Key or The Last Key. And she's in all of James Wan's stuff. And she plays creepy very well. My favorite role for her is she's the weird uh, motel or hotel uh, lady in In the Mouth of Madness, where she had her husband chained to her ankle <laughs> the whole time. Okay. Watch In the Mouth of Madness is weird. It's <laughs> it's, it's a, Do You Read Sutter Kane for all those who know what I'm talking about. Um, I went through my big hater, so let's go through the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Mad Dog, I have um, last year it just sold me um, James McAvoy as Mad Dog. Because mm-hmm. he, who's going to out crazy James Mac- McAvoy right now after Split? Yeah. Split, he, he should win some kind of award for that damn movie. Uh, for Ruth Adams, I actually went with Alice Braga. And she's the, um, it's funny, I don't want to typecast, but she's actually the doctor in I Am Legend. Um, okay. Um, she's, um, and I also wanted to add some diversity in mm-hmm. this film because there's, there's not a lot. So, okay. Um, totally get that. My, you know I mean? my plan does not allow to add diversity, totally but you'll fine. understand that's, when I get to my cast that's list. That's totally cool, man. I This this choice made may, may people raise eyebrows, and I may have to defend it. For Two-Face, who has a fairly large role sure in, this, in this book, I chose Michael Fassbender. I love Michael Fassbender. I totally think he could be in anything. He could be the Joker. He could be the Joker, for that matter. Like, and, I mean, he's just... Uh, his his Magneto is so pitch perfect that I don't want anybody I, else playing Magneto for a while. Like honestly, just get a good writer in there, and then his Magneto will be back to be back back right to great. And the older he gets, the more he looks like Magneto. Yeah, it's the Wolverine conundrum where it's like the older you get, the more you're just gonna look like Wolverine. Exactly. So I was thinking Michael Fassbender because he's handsome, mm-hmm. he's tall, he's formidable. Like he could be Harvey Dent mm-hmm. and just throw some crazy makeup on him. Yeah, and he could be that that end of the story. That with his strong acting, that he can just take it home. Absolutely, you know what I mean. So, definitely Michael Fassbender for Two Face for Matt Hatter because mm-hmm. he has a bit of a weird role in this. Mm-hmm. I picked Bill. Um, what was his name? Uh, Bill Nye. Oh, Bill Nye, that's awesome. Yes. Uh, for those who don't know who he is, he played uh, D- he played Davy Jones in the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Oh, then I don't know who you're talking about. D- um, Bill Nye. Yes, uh, he was actually the police commissioner in Hot Fuzz. Okay. Uh, he was also uh, in. He was the main older vampire in Underworld. Okay, Bill Nye. Yeah, it's you think Bill Nye? Yeah, I was like Bill Nye, the science guy. No, Bill Nye, I the science guy it. would be awesome. That would be cool by itself. <laughs> he could have been. He could be um, <laughs> Zeus. He could be my Zeus is super weird. Uh, my Prometheus. I, I wrote it down as Prometheus, I, but it is Zeus, right? Yeah, it's it doesn't matter. I, that's I'm throwing that in. Bill Nye the Science Bill Guy Nye is my Zeus because he just talks about electricity the whole He's time. He's super hype Imagine about electricity. If, like, Bill Nye is talking <laughs> about, about electricity, electricity in a Batman movie and breaking it down, and that's all he gets to do because there's not really a lot for him to do. Perfect. Uh, for Clayface, Doctor Destiny, and Scarecrow because they have very small roles, mm-hmm. but they're very physical. I picked Doug Jones. Okay. Just put him behind the mask on all three. Of course. He can emote each one. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes me think, like, especially the Scarecrow scene reminds me of Crimson Peak with that, the red ghost. Which is I his... don't watch Crimson Peak. I've heard it. Was... Or, no, I did watch Crimson Peak and I did not like it. I didn't like it either. But don't the red ghost looked cool. The red ghost was cool as hell. Yeah. So that's where my brain was at, was mm-hmm. like, he can do that Scarecrow scene. He could definitely do that Clayface scene. He he can voice act because he was Ape mm-hmm. Sapien. In the first Hellboy, and I thought he did a sure. good job. 
Um, for Prometheus slash Zeus, I picked Jeff Bridges for some weird reason. Okay. I mean, Jeff Bridges is an amazing actor. Yeah. And he doesn't get to show his range as much as I think he deserves. So give Jeff Bridges a moment to overact and cheat and ham it up. Mm-hmm. Be the ACDC god of electricity. Would you yeah. like power? Yeah. With the beard and it'll be, it'll be super sick. And last, you mentioned Legion earlier, I believe. Did you mention Legion? I think you No. No. You well, I love I'm, Legion. I love Legion, they would, All the people who did that would also make a very good yes. Arkham Asylum. So for, for, Dr. Cav- for Dr. Cavish, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Cavanish, Cavanish, right? Yeah. I picked um, Dan Stevens, though you know Dan Stevens is um, Legion. Okay, and he's also the only other movie I know this guy from is uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, he's Beast. he plays Beast. So uh, I think he can do. I right. feel like he's too young. Yeah, he is a bit too young. I was trying to think of someone who could play good crazy, mm-hmm. and I figured you know it would be a nice change of pace. Like some of the Arkham inmates can be on the younger side. A little mm-hmm. bit, other than the old heads, as it were. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much my... But he's not an inmate. He actually works there. He works there. And I there. think to work there, you've got to be... you got to be old. a doctor, right? Yeah. He's not Doogie Howser, right? Yeah. And it's and he's, it's not his first year out of medical school, <laughs> right. Arkham Asylum. Fair enough. Uh, you're doing your residency. Let me see where this says. Uh, Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum? You've been, <laughs> you've been given the f- deepest basement wing. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, there's a guy who spits fire. <laughs> Be, don't talk too close to poison ivy, please. Yeah. Uh, Prometheus is going to talk to you about electricity all day. Don't give him a battery. And you'll be fine. <laughs> now, I have to hear this list, Jeff. Okay, so Brian Fuller, my director, I want it to be really creepy. Yes. Real ambiance, just silent scenes of Batman walking through a haunted house yes for minutes absolutely alright I'm gonna go from the bottom up cool and I'm gonna see when you catch what my gimmick is so Dr. Cavendish I want Peter Weller mm. he played Robocop yes uh, if you love Psych he was a bad guy in an episode of Psych yes and he is just kind of a super cool and weird dude and I just a Peter really Weller. good actor. So I, yeah. I felt like that would be a cool for that role where he reveals that he's the he's the actual crazy person, the doctor. Side note, did you hear about the actual screenwriter for Robocop 1 is thinking of remake as remaking uh, making a sequel to the original? Uh, okay. What? I know that there was what? like supposed to be a good one. <laughs> And he's just going to ignore two and three. He's just going to ignore two and three, and he's going to start from. I mean, one. like that's. I think movies need to realize that. Like comic books are not afraid to hit the reset button. Yes, and and movies seem to be. Yes, and I think movies should be hitting that reset button faster. I'm just going to gripe for like two seconds because Neil Blomkamp was supposed to remake Alien, mm-hmm. but he got but that got put put down by um by Ridley Scott. And his ideas for his alien was going to pick up from aliens. He's going to cut all that out. He's like, oh, that's a uh, chamber dream she was having while she was in cryostasis. And he was going to start it from aliens and make a sequel. Well, it's like Superman Returns was supposed to be after Superman 2 and yeah. Ignore 3 and 4. And, well, I mean, honestly, they need to do that with Star Wars. Honestly, yes. That's what they're trying this, to do. Well, no, at this point, they just need to ignore everything but Star Wars. <laughs> would you, four. Would you start it over? Would you be like, this is the new episode four. This is our recast of Luke Skywalker. I mean, honestly, if you want to make money. Yes. Like, if the job is to make money and the job isn't to actually create decent art. Yes. Then absolutely, the first thing I would do, <laughs> I wouldn't even bothered with these six, these seven, eight, and nines. It would have been so salty, though. Can you imagine recasting the voice of Vader? 
Well, he's the one person who could actually still do it, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, true. So, so all the other ones you can get, get they're at. they're kind of trying to do that with um, Han Solo. If Han Solo makes a billion dollars, they're going to really start thinking about, hey, maybe we should start from here. Well, the thing that they That's... really need to redo is the, the prequels. They're just so bad. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, at this point, I'm not holding out much hope for these sequels either. No. I, mean... I, I thought the last one was just as bad as the prequels. Oh wow! See, I wasn't that bad. I wasn't that. Um, I feel about like it, the Last Jedi. I feel like it hid all of its super awful parts yeah. well enough that, pe- like, people who are on uh, uh, this metaphor I use, it's yeah. like you know, if you go over a pothole fast enough, your car doesn't dip. Yeah. So everybody who <laughs> liked really, ne- Last, Last Jedi, Jedi. Yeah. was people who were like, "I love Star Wars, let's go!" And they just floored it over every pothole that so movie much had. You just, just light speeded through the movie, so you didn't feel it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because I, uh, the people who like it, I ask questions they can't answer, and they say, "Oh, it just doesn't bother me." I was like, "But that makes it a bad movie." Okay, you I'm, cannot be bothered by it, but it's still though, a bad ask me, movie. Ask me two questions. I really, want, I really want to try. How this really long quick. did the movie take in the lives of the people in it? It took about maybe at max four hours. We see Ray go to bed five or six times. That's bad editing. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> terrible bad. editing. That's bad it editing. took me out of the whole movie because they I'm kept saying we're running out of gas and then cutting to someone taking days of adventure hey, and then cutting back. They're on the they, other side of the galaxy, you know, light years away. Maybe time. It is not different. interstellar. <laughs> Get that shit out of here. It was just really bad filmmaking because also it doesn't have to be just Ray and the people on the ship. Yeah. Like the adventure that Poe Dameron goes on and the adventure that Finn go on both mm. seem to take more than three days. It take a while. And it should just be hours because they keep saying we're running out of fluid. That is a problem of structuring. If they would have started the film with Ray at the beginning going through her days Mm -hmm. and then had Finn... At the at the in the middle, going through her days, and then had the last stand on the planet. Yeah, with, with the with the weird. The problem slow is there was no way to edit that together because one, it wasn't intriguing in any way. Yes, some of that stuff. The whole Finn thing should have just been cut. Honestly, I'm not even getting to that point yet. Um, mm. okay. Just, okay. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just love having these conversations. All right, all right. Well, that's the whole point of of talking about stuff is that you get distracted. Yes, and that's, that's what makes stuff. these fun, man. Right, I love well, it. I love it. We'll do that show differently. Yeah. All right. Croc and Clayface getting a voice actor. That's what I was thinking. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman would be an excellent Croc. And he would be, and he's enough range. His voice is basically Croc and Clayface when he's not doing anything. Exactly. When he's just, He's Hellboy. He's drinking coffee. And his voice can be Clayface or Croc. So that's fine. That's what's up. Yeah, Uh I definitely, like him. I can't think of another person. Here's your first real clue into what I'm going for. Mm -hmm. For Scarecrow, I have Dietrich Bader. Ooh. He is Oswald from Drew Carey show. Really? Yes, yes, yes. He The is, black-haired one on Drew Carey show. Yes, he was in uh is that the guy who was in uh uh, uh the movie with uh, Tom Cruise and um and uh, uh um, I tell you what most people Tropic were, Thunder. He was like spank that ass less. Is that that same guy? I, no, I don't Adrian re- Bader is the guy from Office Space. Yes. Yes. Don't, uh, protect your cornhole, bud. Yeah, protect your cornhole, uh, but bud. But also, the other thing that people... I believe he is the ninja instructor in, uh, in Napoleon, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Dynamite. Bow to your sensei. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, what's like, up. So, like, Scarecrow is super silly. Yes. And, but, like, also needs to be creepy. And Dietrich Bader is actually pretty tall and skinny. And yes. he is a voice actor. I just saw a movie uh, called Brawl on Cell Block 99. Mm-hmm. And it had... Um, 
the act the actor um Vince Vaughn in the role. And you know, he's usually comedic, anchorman, all that fun stuff. But in this role, he's the most serious, straight played actor. And it just gave him a hundred like brownie points with me. I was like, I've seen a few crazy. movies where he goes drama and he's actually very talented. He's very I think talented. I think Vince Vaughn deserves more work. Yes, sir. All right, I'm skipping that one because it reveals who I'm talking, what my deal is. All right, for Mad Hatter, I've got Will Arnett. Okay. The guy from... Uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's uh, been in a bunch of stuff, but a lot Lego of people Batman. know him as Job from Arrested Development. Magic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is Tricks that? is what whores do on the street. <laughs> I, I'm a magic. magician. I'm a magician. <laughs> uh, and it's Mad Hatter. That's so cool. Magician stuff. Yes. All right. For Mad Dog, I've got uh, Bruce Greenwood. Who? Yes, he's so cool. He plays everything. He's uh, he's one of those guys. He's one of those character actors. Like I know him from The Burbs. He's like, get wow, that. That's an old one. He's like, get that Lamo out of my yard. He's like, get out of my yard, Lamo. <laughs> that's where I know him from. That's you say you say that name, and immediately that's the movie that pops up in my brain. All right, let me see if we can find anything, any other movie that's a bit more. Oh no, him. He was in Gerald's Game. Okay. Did you watch um, Stephen King's Gerald's Game on Netflix? No, best, I didn't. It's my second best movie of the year. It's, oh, wow. Cool. And it's the best Stephen King adaptation. I will say that flat out. Wow. Gerald's Game is amazingly well written, and he would be perfect as that, actually, because he kind of kills that role as well. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Yeah, man. Oh, he's Pike. In the new Star Trek, that's that's I expect be you to be most, better. Most people would recognize. Him I was thinking of someone else. I was actually thinking of someone. Else. He's not in the Burbs. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'm, but I'm he's definitely of, Captain Christopher Pike. He's, he's definitely Pike. That's my dad's favorite captain for some weird reason. Oh, because he's a badass. Dude. Pike is the coolest dude. He's in iRobot. Um, he's the character actor who you know. Yeah, his it's just face. like as soon as you see his face, you're like, okay, I've seen this guy in a bunch of stuff. Right. He played GFK in that uh, Thirteen Days. Uh, movie, um, Nowhere Man. That was actually kind of a cool show. Yeah, um, the ones you wish they can bring back, right? Yeah. Man. So you've seen him around in a bunch of stuff. He's yeah. just kind of an old, uh, uh, usually dignified guy. But I wanted the he plays old, a lot of presidents. So yeah, like, I want the old guy to kind. Of, I want Mad Dog to be kind of. You're not supposed to see that he's yeah. crazy, right? It reminds away. me of Mindhunter. It's another show on Netflix. Yeah. It's really, really good. I haven't watched it, but I've heard that it's oh, really, really super good. good. Super good. Super good. All right. For Mother Arkham, I've got Helen Mirren. Nice. She would kill it. That's one. She, she's in a creepy, scary movie now. The, the, uh, uh, the yeah, the Winchester house. Yeah. Lady Winchester or something like that. It's just called Winchester, but yeah. it's about the house in San Jose that's super weird. Yeah, man. It's like based on that house for real. I think it might be filmed there. <laughs> that's dope if they let them film there. All right, so now I have to reveal my plan. Well, okay, I had the you might, out, you, If you really knew Batman, you might have been able to figure it out at this point. I kind of have an idea because I, I think I okay, see so, a trend. Yeah, so my when I read Arkham Asylum, I see it as a, a, a dive into Batman's own sanity. Yes. It's all about Batman. Yes. Like, even the, the villains that he sees are through his eyes. It's yes. It's all Batman. Mm-hmm. So every... 
male character in this movie is a person who has played Batman before. That's awesome. Every name that I've said is a person that's played Batman already. I've noticed that. Peter Weller played Batman in The Dark Knight Returns, the recent film. Uh, Ron Perlman played both Hellboy and Batman in the Justice League Heroes video game. Yes, he did. Dietrich Bader was the voice of Batman in Brave and the Bold. Yep. Uh, For Dr. Destiny, I have Ben Affleck. That would be cool. Throw a mask on him. uh, Throw a mask on him. Have him be a short little cameo. Yes. Mad Hatter, Will Arnett, who plays Batman in the Lego movies. Absolutely. Mad Dog, uh, Bruce Greenwood, who plays Batman in the Young Justice television show. Oh, they're bringing that back. I'm so Uh, happy. That's pumped. Mother Arkham. Don't don't have any old women that play (laughs) Batman, so I can't do anything with that. Uh, Young Arkham. I think you can guess the kid from Gotham, uh, David Mazuz. I like that kid, man. So he would play young Arkham in mine. Would you be happy if he aged out and they actually gave him a shot at Batman? If he, if he I don't, aged I out? like. I really didn't like Gotham, and it has nothing to do with that kid as an actor. You know what sold me? I hated Gotham until I rationalized it in my head to where I was like, "This is 1960s campy Batman now." And, and then I started if liking I do it that, more. But like <laughs> my problem was just like the whole first season was just so trashing slow. James Gordon's like life, uh, <laughs> life, and also his sense of honor. And it's like no, the one thing that Gordon never gives up is his sense of honor. Yes, and it destroys his life. Yes, not the other way, way around. around. Right, Gordon is a person who is so pure that He's Gotham tries to destroy him. Right, and he can't be a guy who. Who's trades his morals in right away. That's not the character of oh, James Gordon. Then you would hate the um, Telltale version of Batman, where uh, spoilers um, go for it is that they actually gave the Waynes t- mob ties to the Falcone family, mm-hmm. hidden secrets Ugh. that's unveiled by like Hugo Strange or something. So his uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne were actually part of the Falcone crime family in a weird way, mm-hmm. and that. Um, the reason they actually were shot in Crime Alley because it was a mob hit. Mm-hmm. And that it was only recently like revealed in that storyline because um, the Telltale stuff, it's its own isolated universe, yeah. of course. But they play with certain things. Mm-hmm. And if you have obviously. a chance... Obviously, right? So if you have a chance, definitely play it. It's not very like combat heavy. Mm-hmm. But those... Um, it's very well voice directed because it's Telltale. Yeah. Those guys get amazing voice actors, but definitely check it out. It's, yeah. it's definitely worth it. The the ones that I wouldn't mind playing the movie versions are the CW shows. I'm the first. I was upset when they actually gave, gave away what they were doing with Justice League film because I wanted. Well, like watching the Justice League movie, I'm like, why on earth did you pick this kid and not the guy who's playing Flash? Thank you, Jeff. It just seems like a Thank really you so much, stupid Jeff. decision. It's the stupidest decision in the world. Because, because you like, have a if you, if you had, like, if you had brought me the Flash and it was that kid who played Spider-Man and he was, like, infinitely charming, yeah. I'd be like, you Fine. know what? Okay. Fine, right? But there was nothing in that Justice League that would have made me pass over the super duper charming Grant Gustin. Grant Gustin, uh, I mean... We're not talking about Justice League, I'm which sorry, was also a pile that of crap. It really triggered me because... <laughs> It's like we should just this should just be nerd trigger it been, that should be the show nerdtrigger.org <laughs> and it's just like you it was it would have been so different from Marvel right mm-hmm. rather than the trinity you put all your other guys in shows you yep you put them on the CW let them build a fan base so when you introduce Grant Gustafson into the film people are going to see it just for him yeah nevertheless Batman Superman and Wonder Woman you could have had Green Arrow uh, what's his face um, being yeah, why on earth even think about doing someone else 
Mm. Like, mm. Stephen Amell is so adamant that he'd be the only person that plays Green Arrow that he does the voices when Green Arrow shows up on cartoons. On, on other stuff. Including the Lego movie. Yes. Where there is one line from Green Arrow. He did it. He did it. He's I, like, no one that makes me is so Green Arrow but me. That someone had to say this in the office. Yeah. We have these guys. We're already paying them. Throw them in the movie. You will, and it, will be, it will be a perfect fit. If you want to do the multiverse, quote unquote. But the other fine. thing is that they didn't make a pick. That was for money. No. Like, I, this this kid, he was not bad, but he's not going to sell the Flash movie unless I'm really out of touch with today's youth and he's really famous. Ezra Miller, I didn't know his name until they told me. I right? just, I he seems like a nobody. Yeah. And they had a nobody who's already, who's already played the Flash for now. four years. And, and it's one of the stronger shows on, your, on that channel. And that also own. just, like, think, like, do you... If movies could get TV audiences, they would, it would be, be nonstop. Well, I I go for colorful metaphors, so I don't yeah. know if I can do that on these podcasts. Go for it. Um, uh, it's, screw it. Uh, I'll, put it ex- I'll put it explicit. Shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. My cursing is that powerful. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just put these guys... And you have a Martian Manhunter who does a great job. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing is that also like you've got those are two different audiences. Yeah. Like and so you get all of your TV show fans to go to the movies Mm -hmm. and then you just get every Justice League person to go to To the movies. movies. And it's makes me so mad that like someone had to mention it. Someone had to say we already got have these guys on the payroll. I don't want to see another Supergirl. I just want to see uh, what's her face who's on the who was on ABC or I think it was um, um, NBC and now she's on the CW. She's yeah. my Supergirl. Oh, absolutely! Grant I don't want any Flash. other Supergirl. He's earned it, right? Oh yeah. Ever since like even this, I season. mean, they, both of them have earned it far more than any of the actors um, in the movies. In the movies, by a country mile. For and these sure. Are, and these are small enough characters to where you can have your Gal Gadot and your. I guess at this point, Jake Gyllenhaal and your Henry Cavill. But then you can have the smaller Justice Leaguers who fill out the group. There, we have a hot girl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In Legend of Tomorrow. Like, yeah, we don't need a movie for all of these characters. No, we do not. We don't need a movie for Cyborg. Yeah. That should be a Teen Titans movie. Well, it's like also they're talking about that with like Marvel. And now they're saying like one of the next movies is Black Widow. And I'm like, I totally get they're doing it for the fans, man. That's, I get the female representation. There's yeah. just so many better female characters. Like Captain Marvel. Marvel. Well, Captain Marvel, they're doing yeah. next. Next for real next. Yes. Um, but like after that, like I, they're doing Jessica Jones. So you've got that really yeah. on lock. But I wouldn't mind. I don't know. Like, uh, well, because she's not written very well in the movies. Yes. And it's like I, she's. Easily the least interesting. I although like, Hawkeye is in there too. He's yeah, pretty. He's, he's pretty rough too. The best bit about him is the Saturday Night Live bit where he's like, "Yeah, I'm out of arrows. Out of I got to go home." He's like, "You, yeah, 15 arrows. I had 15 shots." He's like, "He had this." He's cool like, "Man, on. the thing only fits 15, like 16. <laughs> if I really jam him in there, yeah, but that's dangerous. But that's dangerous, man." <laughs> All right, let me get back to my. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, so now that I've revealed, so my interpretation of of this book is that it's all Batman. Yeah. And that it's yeah, and so the next cast, Commissioner Gordon, is Val Kilmer. I could see that. I could see that absolutely. For Two Face, we've got George Clooney. Oh, that would be cool. I like that a lot I because like he's lot. the handsomest one who's played Batman, and yes. so he, the most handsome person should be Two Face because it needs Two-Face. to be 
that it duality. needs to be a true loss that the person lost half his face. Exactly. So it can't be an ugly dude. Yeah, man. And of the, all the people who've played Batman, George Clooney is the prettiest. Yes, he is. Uh, then for Ruth Adams, uh, I still went with my Batman theme, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle she's the, uh, she I doesn't think do she, enough work. I think man. she's the only respectable actress from those honestly first group of movies. Easily, you, not, you don't see a lot of it. You don't see Kim Basinger in movies anymore. Or Uma Thurman for that matter. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, she might be all right too, but I just I can see Michelle Pfeiffer as that character, yeah, kind of a reserved but very strong-willed. I saw uh, Mother, which doctor. a lot of people were just like, "Why did you see Mother?" Darren mm-hmm. Aronofsky's. He's another director who I kind of had on my short list to do this. He was he was tied to do Batman Year One. Yes, and I would have thought he would have killed it. Mm-hmm. But Michelle Pfeiffer's a strong pick. He's yeah, a super strong pick. All right, and for Arkham, I have Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. <laughs> he's toes. an older man. My so, toes are wiggling, dude. It's so uh, cool. <laughs> uh, he's an older man, so Can he could totally act, pull though. off. He, uh, bat, uh, voice acting is acting. Voice acting is acting. That's like all. Let's uh, because I've been to hear him speak. Yes, and he says like a bunch of people come and ask me like, how do you get into voice acting? And I say you get into acting. He was trained at Juilliard. <laughs> Alton, man. With Christopher right? Reeve. What? While Christopher Reeve Small was there, world, Kevin Conroy huh? was there. Small world, That's man. Crazy. That's beautiful, dude. Like, and so, like, that this, guy's this actor can do anything, and he chose to do voice acting. I'm going to hope my thought for your Joker is, if, if you're going in this direction, I'm okay, what... I There's only one left. So the Joker is Christian Bale. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, man. Like, and, Christian Bale, that's the Joker... It would be such a. How would what would his voice be? I, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around the face. Uh, have is you easy. ever seen The Machinist? Yes, kind of like that, huh? There you go. Like super there skinny and really weird and creepy, really weird and creepy, and kind of. He doesn't have to go machinist skinny, but no, if just, he was like nice lean, just that, lean, that would be perfect. Yeah, that would be. Perfect. Uh, and then for Batman, I actually want a blank face. You, you never see Batman. You never face. see Bruce Wayne's face, so it's only Batman. You don't, and you know what? That works perfectly because it's going to be like Carl Urban in in Dread. Exactly. So there were only oh, two actors. There's only two actors. Yes. That are known for taking roles where you don't have to see their face. Yes. So Hugo Weaving or Carl Urban oh, is knock Batman. Me out. Is what I would do. Knock me out, man. Put me to sleep. Hugo Weaving is one of those guys where it's like he was wasted as the Red Skull. Yeah, really wasted. Hard. Yeah. And it kind of, and from the interviews, it kind of turned him off of superhero movies, which is sad. Yeah. Because V for Vendetta is one of my favorite adaptations. I think the only wise. thing that Marvel is doing wrong is the villains. So I can see why the actors who come in to play the villains are like, I don't really like working for Marvel. Yeah, all it's of like, them I got 10 minutes. Way. If it's not, uh, if it's not Loki. I got like 10 minutes in the film. My character arc was nothing. <laughs> it sucks, man. It makes me so worried about like, like Thanos. Like, I'm so worried, man. Like, Thanos is going to be nothing. Uh, no, I'm not worried about that. Oh, going man. crazy. Um, and um, and Brolin's a beast, so he's going to yeah, kill he's, it. he's good. He's a really good voice actor. Absolutely. So, yeah, that was my descent into Batman's madness. Is that I love Every that person idea. he meets in the Arkham Asylum is a reflection of him. And has, has played Batman. Yes. So they could get into their Batman mindset. Can you imagine that stage photo? Yeah. That set photo? Mm-hmm. That would be beautiful. Like, it would yeah. be the ultimate, like... Love so it's ba- but basically, I would tell all of these actors, you're playing Batman, playing Lame. this character. So how would you think Batman would interpret this character? Yes. And and now that you mention it, it puts a completely different spin on how I look at this book, mm-hmm. especially like the Clayface scenes and 
the Joker. Well, I mean, like, because it's, it's like obviously the Arkham story is supposed to reflect Batman's journey through the asylum. Yes, back when it was just a, 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 a was it a sanitarium or just a hospital? I think it was just a plain old hospital okay. at first. So, like, it's all because that's the descent of the building into madness. That's right. the Cthulhu Dark Worlds horror. Yes. And then Batman is reflecting that exact same story in his journey. So I want someone who's played Batman in every spot in this movie. It's a reflection of himself Mm -hmm. through all of it because this is a descent into his madness. Yes. And his overcoming of that madness. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is is Batman's only true victory. Yes. When you get down to it, when you you look at what he does and what he tries to accomplish... Mm Like, this is him conquering his own demons, which when you get to the core of Batman, that's that's that Batman's Batman real villain. Is himself. Yes. And, you know, and with this book, he is conquering his own demons in that sense. Yes. He is um, seeing the worst of himself in these villains. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they kind of play with it. They, like, in dialogue, in between, some of Joker's dialogue arc harkens back to it. A lot of Mad Hatter's dialogue harkens back to it. Are you in the prison or is the prison you? Kind exactly. Of, it's kind of all about like self-identity. Yes. So that's why I want to go super trippy with it. I and love have it. every Batman. This, I looked it up. This is just about everybody who's alive who's played Batman. That would This movie, uh, just throw money at it, man. Yes. This movie would be. And what's crazy is not all these actors are big names. So you can and do also, it. Like, you I bet you it. could guilt George Clooney into doing it because you'd be like, you know what you blame yourself for Batman man. for? We're going to forgive you. We're going to forgive you. If you come and, and do, do Two-Face. This. And do Two-Face, please. He would do it just for the lull. Though. Yeah, he seems I like mean, a cool enough I, guy. I feel like Christian Bale loves acting so much that if we told him you now get to play, play the Joker, Joker he, would he would be in. He would freak out just for the opportunity. I think he would like the opportunity the to play the other side of the coin. Yeah, and oh man, I would love for. I, I think that that would be perfect in a lot of different. Uh, connotations man like a lot of different ways you would look at that and but just other movies and stuff too like yeah. the way you should be thinking about it is that whoever plays like reed and doom yeah you should be able to Just switch them. them guys out. And I, I like the idea that you can switch Joker and Batman. It's the best villains are reflections like, like of themselves. Heath Ledger could have been a very interesting Batman. He would have been a very good Batman, honestly, if given the opportunity and, these and are I d- just think that also you need to understand both psyches to play either character in a movie where they're both there. They're truly two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, chaos and order. I think restraint in. in and I think Scott Snyder is doing a really good job of writing. He's that. my favorite writer right now. He's honestly. doing a really good job. He's of such a cool guy. The I Joker him on Twitter. The Joker as the mirror of Batman. Yes. He's doing a very good job of taking that as as far as anybody ever has. You said read and doom, and it just made me really want a Marvel Studios Fantastic Four movie. I mean, that's all I care about that's with all the Fox I ever merger. Think about every day, yeah. I just want Doom to play in that sandbox and do whatever. Well, I'm curious if they're just going to scrap every movie that Fox was working on. Yeah, that's the plan. I think that's the plan. Is but how far is New Mutants? They pushed all that stuff back to 2019. Even Deadpool two got pushed. Yeah, because they just don't know what to do with it right now. Because I would think they'd let Deadpool keep going, but Disney is not one to let let something well not be looked at by 500 lawyers. So we'll see. But they also like money. And I think that they wouldn't recast it. There's certain characters. No, no. I I think I I think they've gone too far with the production of New Mutants. Yeah. But I think they will do drastic reshoots. Yeah, because they want to fit it into the MCU. Exactly. Um, yeah. They're not going to let any movie that's not in the can right now be released by the Fox. The only film that they're not going to touch, in my opinion, is Dark Phoenix because they don't care. 
That is the cycle. But that's not getting made. No, I thought Dark Phoenix was already being made. Not to my knowledge. Yeah, man. I thought it was already being made, but... I guarantee you it's not being made now. Not now. No, they put the... They I'm put, saying that the only the two that. Th- that are, are going to be produced as is... Yeah. Uh, the only one, I think, that'll be produced as is Deadpool, Deadpool 2. 2. And I think New Mutants will go through drastic reshoots to fit into the greater X-Men universe they want to start building. Because Deadpool's an easier one, because one, he has a mask, so you don't see... You don't see mouth movement. And you can just sub in any voiceover line. Well, no, I think... Easily. But I don't think they're going to touch Ryan Reynolds. I think that's the only successful one, and it's also the only one where Fox actually stuck to the comic book. Yes. Deadpool was such a surprise to uh, me. Marvel can't have much of a problem with Deadpool because it's the comic book that they're publishing put on the screen. Anyway. Um, So so that's that's why I think that's the one that won't be touched. And I I saw that preview for New Mutants, and I'm like, what the the fuck fuck is is this this garbage? What is it actually? (laughs) And and so I can imagine Marvel coming in with pretty heavy hands and reading doing that entire Alice thing. Alice is the doctor in that movie where she has that big scar on her face. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. This is, I was like, what is this actually? But isn't it kind of weird that that helicarrier was in Deadpool? So they, they could just not touch any of that and let it exist in the MCU. Did they call it a shield helicarrier? They were saying it was a shield helicarrier. Okay. They were just, they were saying it, but they weren't saying it. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, Oh, then hey, they guys, didn't say it. Yeah. I mean, you can't copyright a, Ship design, yeah, really? A ship design that looks eerily familiar. It's different enough. It's different enough to not get sued. And, but also, you keep in mind that like the contracts that they signed to get the rights to these characters is very weird. That's why yeah. like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are in both of them. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious, actually. Okay, uh, before we go into the actual meat of this comic, real quick question: who's who's the better Quicksilver? Oh, the 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 only this is Marvel. The this, Mar- or the no, not the Marvel. The Fox. The one. Fox. The surviving one, right? Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> oh God, I th- I did not like Age of Ultron, and I and thought no that no one the, liked it, dude. Like, and I thought that that just out of nowhere kill was so like it was so, so Kenny cheap. from South Park. Yeah, that like I was expecting Hawkeye to say, "Oh my God, you killed Quicksilver, you bastards!" It was just, <laughs> it was like. It's so and it's wrong. like also Marvel has done this a couple times now where they have the person die or get hurt to a thing that does not hurt them. Why and would the, those like, even one of the things that like just really bothers me in superhero storytelling on the big or small screen? Yeah. Is the thing that they really love doing is instead of writing a villain that could pose a threat to our hero, they yeah. always find a way to make the hero not have any powers. At that in the moment, that in the moment, struck down, and I'm like, that's not what we come to superheroes for. for. They solve their problems with superpowers. You have to write a harder problem, problem. dummy. This yeah, is because like the Luke Cage show. Yeah, I liked it, but four episodes were him in a hospital, and it's I'm like, not no, fun at all, his man. only superpower is that his skin don't break. That's the only power he has. Right. So you having him injured. By like a special super bullet, <laughs> just leaves it open for the super bullet to be in every episode, and it just Why takes away every thing single thing that makes him a special. character. And they and they just do, keep doing it, like an Iron Fist out. when he gets to New York, he's like, "My chi doesn't work." Oh, so let's not have any kung fu in the first three episodes Don't of get Iron. Me started Fist. on Iron Fist, man. And it's Ooh. but it's over and over. They're doing yeah. this mm-hmm. and. It's a what, cheap what DC thing were we talking about that it started us on this? Uh, it was um, well, what started us on this um, was the Quicksilver, the Quicksilver yes. death. Uh, so Quicksilver in Age of Ultron two dies to a thing that can be run away from easily. 
And that is right. like with his skill him, set. Like, give him the. This is this is me in the five seconds since yeah. I said the last sentence. Yeah. Give him the poetic ending of like having to carry the bomb away. Yes. And he's not fast enough to escape. Make him the monster. He saves people. Yeah. And then can't run away fast enough because there's a time constraint of some kind. Like, like why did he stop in front to start <laughs> stop the arrows? Why didn't he take the one or two people as that he's it was? running? And time is slowed, right? Yeah. So and he would have solved the bullets coming as he was coming through. Why was he running? He why was, was running he there running? to save people. Why right. didn't he move them rather than jump in front, in front of, of them? That it's not his power set. It just seems like really poor writing because hey insert death here we'll we'll figure it out in post and they didn't. we can't have him live how do we do it and it's like he's so an interesting new character kill hawkeye or black widow easy yeah. i want age of ultra i want there to be a weird mortal Kombat annihilation death in the beginning of infinity war mm-hmm. where someone just gets punched through in the first five minutes like set a tone that would be good. I, I mean, I like it. I think that's kind of necessary because set a tone like this is serious. you really need you need something to say that Thanos is different than everybody else. He needs a moment where he says, "Hi, I'm Hawkeye. I shoot." Er, er, nope, right through your face, like Demon Knight style. Yeah, and it was like, "Oh snap!" I guess this is serious now. Mm-hmm. It needs that tone setter. So, like you said, so people know this is not your mere Ultron throwaway villain, which is sad because Ultron shouldn't be a throwaway villain. Yeah, they just did so little with him. It was just a real train wreck, that movie. Criminal. But let's talk about this book. Let's talk about Arkham Asylum in itself. And kind of like the story behind this, which is on its surface, a very simple story. There's a hostage situation at Arkham Asylum. And Batman has to go save the day, a la Batman style. And there's a book-ended storyline about the origins of the asylum. Mm -hmm. Told by the owner slash creator of the asylum, Amadeus Arkham. But he's keeping this journal as he himself is slowly be- being driven mad by the, the building. By the building itself, which it has some kind of otherworldly manifestation within itself, why supposedly. The, the, subti- the subtitle of the book is Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth. Yes. And that is from... Uh, a different book. A Serious House on Serious Earth, it is... In whose blent air all our compulsions meet, are recognized and robed as destinies. Jeez, this uh, is a Batman book, ladies and gentlemen. And like, so that's it's like, not playing that's the around. Quote, and then there's like a bunch of Lewis Carroll stuff because it's all very Mad Hatter through the looking glass, dream within a dream kind of and stuff. And it's even called the Passion Play. It's it, it, like he wanted to call it Passion of the Batman. That's what's up. Yeah. So, like, that's the first two-page spread when you start reading the book. Yes. The Passion Play, as it is played today, the Passion Play is the death of Jesus. That's crazy. And so this is the death of Jesus told as Batman. And it's and you can even see it, like, in the later parts, the death and the rebirth, you know, of his mm-hmm. of his psyche, pretty much. is He has to rebuild his own fervor and rebuild his own kind of sense of... Uh, of why he's doing this. Because he was afraid... And let's go, kind of go into the story... And it's hard to even pick this up because it's I one of the Facebook um, suggestions I got from um, people I've been asking is I don't think this should be made into a film because the the, the story kind of feels disjointed. And I wrote back, well, they would take one hell of a director to, to figure that out now, wouldn't it? Yeah. And with the the religious uh, uh, kind of the religious aspects of this book. Maybe a, that's why I was thinking Darren Aronofsky as a director. He could certainly handle that. You know um, what I mean? 
think he's kind of gone off the rails in his subject matter. <laughs> Watch Mother, man. MS is not meant for humans. <laughs> <laughs> some um, kind of fifth dimension film, man. Oh, man, but this... But that, that's why I, uh, Brian Fuller was my pick, because he uses a lot of religious imagery in Hannibal and a lot in American Gods, because yes. it's all about religious imagery. It's all about, it's all about religious imagery. And I want to talk about the opening scene in black and white, in pencil, mind you, which I love, because I love this guy's art style. It's all over the place, where Commissioner Gordon invites Batman to pretty much answer the phone, and it's Joker on the other line. Mm-hmm. I would like to mention that Joker's font... Is beautiful but extremely hard to read sometimes, especially when you're, you're not the first the person to tell me that. I that remember that red? was a, a oh. common comment at our book club for yes. that one. It's just this mass, this, and I get it, right? It's this manic, he has to have his own voice. And of course, when I read it, I hear William Willem Dafoe kind of a la, uh, if you saw Death Note, his rook, his voice is very jokery. And also it's like, it's black and white because it's not the real world. Arkham Asylum is the the real real world. world. So the only thing in color is the stuff that takes place within Arkham Asylum. Yes. Because the flashbacks actually start the book. And it's when young Arkham has to deal with his grandmother who's decided to eat a bunch of cockroaches. I'm full. I'm already full. Such a horror moment. And right? so, like, I mean, I almost wouldn't want to mess with the pacing of this book. No. Like, you start with that super creepy scene, then you cut to, like, a black and white. If you opened up Batman film. Unfi- un- like, it feels unreal. Like, yes. put it in black and white, put a re- put rain in it, so just, and then film grain. Would so you, just make it look. Would you give it that Sin City kind of Passover? Is that too extreme? I wouldn't want, it, that's too contrasty for yeah. this. Like, this is very much Impressionism. Yes. So how do you film something in as an Impressionist? You would have to do a lot of filters. Right. You'd have to do some some uh, after effects, like black and white. That opening film. scene. I mean, like, I would almost want just that part to be filmed on film so it has, like, the burns. <laughs> but you can do that in post. So this like, film... I'd want that. I would want all the parts that are outside to feel completely not real. You know what's a movie that like reminds almost animated. Almost like, animated. Animated the, the beginning. The, it's like it's just it's just like maybe at most a five minute scene before Batman yeah. walks into Arkham and it becomes color. How bold would that be if you started a major motion picture film? Well like I mean that's in I, animation. I think they that's the next step for these superhero movies. One is the crossover which we're finally getting with Avengers. Yes. And the other thing is that like we gotta see some of the cooler non-superhero comic books out take, there take risks it makes me think of um natural born killers in regards to its composition in its change in scenery mm-hmm. it makes me think of things like uh, i just had it on the tip of my tongue like bram stoker's dracula the way that he the way that francis for coppola was playing around with so many different ways to shoot a film mm-hmm. you know what i mean he had um he had all types. He had 16 millimeter running. He had the latest technology. He had graphics, but he also had stop motion. And he also had like matte paintings when it was totally unnecessary at that time. And I think this film would, would really be cool if it just kept flipping. It kept flipping its texture. It kept flipping its style. Well, like, I'm also good, like, because by Super Meta, it's got everybody who's played Batman in it. So, yeah. fuck it, I'm going even deeper. I would almost want all of the voices of the villains to not come from a specific direction when they're spoken out loud in the movie. Ooh, kind of like omnidirectional. Yeah. Kind of like he's hearing it in his head. That's sur- whenever the villains talk it's surround sound. 
that will be kind of cool, kind of like... And whenever, like, Batman or the Doctors or any of the real people talk, it's where it's supposed to be. Have you ever been in a D-Box seat where they no. have, like, all the all these speakers around your head and you can kind of hear the 3D yeah. audio? That would be kind of cool to kind of hear it around you versus it at you. Because it's like the building. Yeah, exactly. Because the building is talking to you through these villains. This is pretty much a Dunwich Horror is mm-hmm. what it breaks down to. Oh, absolutely. And, and Batman is level-headed all until he starts to go into the descent into this action, into the uh, Did you ever see Scanner Darkly? Yes. Like, uh, we'd almost need to direct the guy who directed that almost. Yes. Cause like, somebody who's really out used there. to changing some of the formats that you're filming with. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, we go from the opening scene, which would be killer, uh, an opening scene of Batman where it has nothing to do with Batman, mm-hmm. right? And we go into... Commissioner Gordon. And I mean, also that opening scene with eating the cockroaches tells you how different a story you're getting prepared for. No one would be ready. No one would be ready if that started a Batman film. Yeah. They were like, what am I walking into? It's one of those things where it's like when when people brought their kids to go see Watchmen. Yeah. And it's like the biggest mistake you could have ever made. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like, you don't know. It's like, how would you market this movie? Like. It, it would be the hardest to market. It would be Batman for adults, but it would be also, a lie. Like anything you market it as, that's if it's truth. No, no, one, I would no do one... the preview as horror with Batman. That would be cool. I mean, you can't keep that a secret. You can't keep that a secret, right? They've got to realize that this is a horror movie starring Batman. Yeah, absolutely. And what what makes me think about the opening scene is the script script. You know, we're, yeah. we're, while the Joker is kind of buttering up Batman, mm-hmm. and you hear that script, script. He's like, and as a reader, you're like, "What is that?" And then you kind of, and Joker kind of lets on that. What was the name of the actual captive? Was it Ruby or Rose? I forget her name. I wanted to cast her too, but I I decided not to at the last second because she had such a small role. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't remember her name either. Yeah, because she was only in the front for like two seconds. Um. I'm trying to see if I can find her name. A young girl. They listed as a young girl, but she actually had a specific. Well, name. what? Okay, I've got a. I've got an interesting topic for us because yes. I know we don't want to just break we, down and reveal the ending or anything. Right? No, not we yet. Don't yeah. do that. Because I want people to go read this book. Actually, yeah, exactly. Yes. Um. Oh wait, I lost my idea. <laughs> yeah, this book really plays on just art, like. I'm that guy who read who reads a comic for the art. I, I'm an art first, story second kind of guy, just because I'm an artist. But the art in this is like unlike anything I've ever seen, in regards to like because um, the artist who did this did a lot of Sandman, right? Yes, yes. The Sandman is kind of Sandman. similar in style. But if you give this to someone who's just a casual reader, they're not going to know what to take. They may love it or hate it, honestly, because it's so different. You know what I mean? And I would like to talk about the games for a second, too. Sure. Because the first thing people think when you say Arkham Asylum is the Rocksteady games that were honestly the best comic book movie, best comic book games ever made, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, ever. And it has a similar plot. It just doesn't have the psychological aspect. And the psychological aspect is only in the first game, and it's buried in subtext. Yeah. You actually, when you were playing the game, you can actually go You can find all of Arkham's messages, which is taken directly out of this. Word for word out of this book. And you can find his uh, cell with the circular writing, but Mm -hmm. there's really no explanation for it. There's no, like you said, out of context, it doesn't mean anything. It's not scary. And and if the game would have committed a bit more to the horror side of it, I think the game would have had a bit more impact rather than 
it being mostly a uh, Metroid kind of, you know, dungeon crawler in a weird way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and then he was like, oh, I like the games. Like, oh, then read this and behold. <laughs> like I said, like one of the more morbid Batman stories you'll ever read. Oh, man. I mean, it was also an episode of Batman the Animated Series. Really? I missed that. Which one? I forgot the was... name of it, but there's an episode where they take over and Dr. Ruth is in it. Is it one of the later ones? Like, is it one, is I it... don't remember. I th- if I remember the animation style, I think it's the first half. The first half animation style. Okay. Before before the um, Batman before the Batman Superman Adventures. Bat- yeah, before Adventures it, before it became a little bit more angular. Yes, so that's, uh, just the animation change. It's still the same continuity. Oh, uh, so, but anyway, I thought of my topic of conversation. Yes. I don't think we want to go too much deeper. I want like people we, to read this. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to go too. So deep. here's n- one, the one thing that has aged poorly with this book. Yes, is Batman villains. Ooh, yes. There have been a bunch more that are... Better fits, you think? Or just if we're making a movie, it's got to be longer than this. Yes. So he's got to, I think, go through a few more villains. Yes. So like what which villains? ones aren't represented that should be represented? Off the top of my head, immediately, Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze can be done very, very creepy, and yes. he's perfect because his origin is by far the best. And yes. I can tell you why he wasn't in this. Why? Uh, that origin did not exist yet. That was right. created by the animated series. Heart of Ice. He was just a guy with a cold gun before that. Yes. And this is 1989, the same year that t- television show started. So it was 1990 that Mr. Freeze became Mr. Freeze. Yes. He was not used in the comic books before. In fact, he was used in the Hall of Forgotten Characters. Oh, really? In Animal Man. He was one of the Hall of Forgotten Characters. That's crazy. And that was another book that came out in like 88, 89. Mr. Freeze was not nothing from like his first appearance until yeah, he was a he got the, guy. until he until his wife was the reason yeah Nora. because before that it was just like i'm a bank robber that also needs to be cold for some reason he was pretty much just shocker and, right I, I, <laughs> well you look at pretty much basically the question i'm asking is how would the batman animated series change the way you would do arkham asylum a lot. because that's the only one that's really introduced good new villains like i can't think of comic book villains that i would that are new that i would want like grant morrison's run on batman i thought was too weird i think a court of hours a court of owls representative would be fine because that's a a nice little kind of creepy like some of the intro where you're where batman's originally going into the hall and he's seeing all those kind of insulated oh okay i've got no it should be like he walks he finds a secret room yeah and it's got one of the owl men, and he says, "You're not supposed to be here. You're yet. not supposed to be here yet. That would be cool." And like, and uh, Batman like ignores it because he's going through all kind of messed up stuff. He's, his head is already somewhere else. It'd be yeah. a nice little Easter egg. And actually, with the way it works, you could you could bring. I mean, this might be too much for the movie. Yeah, but the owls could have been behind, like I, be, the building being haunted. They could have been behind making Arkham go mad. Like it could have been their ancient me- cult. Yeah, they're right? an ancient cult. It could have been part of their machinations. See, that's what I'm talking. That about. That would be fun to that bring. Fun. So that would be a fun character to bring into the modern era, and uh, or it is in the modern era to bring into the Arkham movie that we do. You'd have to do Harley Quinn. Question: mm-hmm. Would you replace Ruth with Harley? Post um pre um Harley Quinn would would, would it be Doctor Quinzel? Would that be more interesting? That would be a very great origin for her. Yes. Honestly. Going through that and dealing with the Joker and learning. And having to kill somebody. And having to kill someone and feel that trauma. 
I I love that way more than the uh, origin for uh, the Mad Love origin is great, but then like the new Fifty Two or the Rebirth Re- origin is that, that is that she was actually thrown into the same stuff and her skin yeah. is white just like yeah, him, but it wasn't as she's much. purple white too, but she's yeah, not but as crazy. Like, the Jew, it wasn't as much juice. Yeah, it was that kind was of the like, explanation for it why was a she diluted full version crazy. of the okay. Acme. I don't know. That seems boring and lame and makes her origin tied to the Joker way too much. And whereas this one is kind of her descent into madness also via Arkham. It also gives you a reason to make this character young. Yep. And then also you could have like the very end of it be her talking to Joker in a more romantic way. And then, then you introduce and we do mad love. And then we do mad love next. Next. Right. Which is another thing that could be easily adapted. Uh, uh, but like Mr. Freeze, Harley Quinn, yes. I think you have to do both of those. At this point, Catwoman is kind of pretty important. Yet again, an advention of the Batman animated series. I think series. she can be done very creepily. Um, but at the same time, you have to be very careful. Cause the problem is, is that I only like her as a villain and have no interest whatsoever in reading her being these. The love interest. Of I just Batman. think it's, it's very fat cheap. fucking garbage. Yeah, it's, it's very just cheap. terrible. It's they, so cheap. I just hate it. And that's like, what the comics are doing. Now. And the, the thing is, is that I love romance in the comic book. Yeah. If it was him and Zatanna getting married, I would yeah. be like, fuck, fuck yes. Yeah, that was one of my favorite Batman New Adventures show when it was yes. the flashback one. And it showed him training with the magic with her dad. With, with and it was so cute. Yeah. And like she liked him. It was so great. And the, and the comic books have a history of that, too. But you can't say that Date Night is not a good book, though. I have not read that one. Date yet. Night's super good. <laughs> I've heard that it's super good, it's but so my well problem <laughs> is that we have to throw out every single bit of Catwoman continuity to do this new story. Yeah. And at that point, why not just use a different character? Use a different you're character you're changing Catwoman top to bottom. 100% of her character is different now. And that's a disservice to her in the worst way. Yes. It makes Catwoman a super uninteresting character. It makes Batman m- less interesting for being in stories with her. Right. Because like, unless it's his character, it le- it cheapens his character substantially. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just it, I find the whole thing gross. Uh-huh. And like I said, the only way they could do it is if they completely write the Catwoman c- character, which yes. is what they seem to be doing in the new DC books. Is that she was like never really a criminal? She just was like she just played one on TV. I guess. Yeah, and Jeez. I'm like, oh, that's boring then. Yeah, because then it's not Batman hooking up with the villain. Yeah, so it's none of the stories that the are stories interesting that you want. Right? Yeah, it, it's just vanilla and boring. And like Zatanna would be cool because she would have to open his world to the magic, which he doesn't. Like, really mess with he doesn't accept that it exists in some books when he's fighting magic stuff exactly he's and trying so to like his it. girlfriend being zatanna and like fucking having etrigan on speed dial would be an interesting dichotomy oh. whereas this dichotomy is boring i just want live action etrigan <laughs> and have him freestyling the entire time so who do we have jay-z um no. who's got the best flow the best flow i would do a i would do something weird and put in something like kendrick lamar how is that weird? Isn't he thing? like the most popular? Right yeah, because he's like the most popular and would bring in money. Yeah. And he's very conscious, and I think he can write some really decent stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, question though. Yeah. I want to sub out Killer Croc mm-hmm. and put in Bane. Okay. As as the demon, as as the serpent. Mm-hmm. And let him be the final kind of confrontation for Batman. Because mm-hmm. I don't think they both could fit, because they both fit a kind of a weird archetype as well. I mean, also, if we're trying to run with the religious aspect, then we need to rethink everything that we've been True. talking about. So but leave them both in. But adding a woman lets you do the Mary story. 
Yes. And so adding, and also like she's pure at the beginning, but she's not by the end would be. That's uh, Harleen Quinzel. That, uh, that would be a great retelling and of I think the Mary like, part. Joe Marketing would want Bane in there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So they would probably find a way to shoehorn him in this film. But you could do a different direction with Bane. Cause this, I just, I don't think, I don't think they would try to shoehorn Bane because the last one was the least successful. And true. Not that it was a failure by any means. It still made a crap ton of money, but I just don't think that they care much hmm. about the character of Bane. I would not be surprised at all if they did it 100% different. And so if you're doing Bane, though, the problem I have with Bane in something like Arkham Asylum yeah. is that he's only useful if you mention the time he broke Batman's back. True. And, and so, like, if you do part of it in flashback in this, like, the flashbacks yeah. happen. If you add a flashback to, like, the time that Batman was broken. Yeah. And so, like, this is... So, like, that... If we're going religious, that would be him on the cross. Yeah, him on the... So Christ Bane, on the cedar, right? So, Bane would be the Romans if yes. we were retelling this story. And, so, like, because... And then the flashback... the Bane breaking his back could show easily being drawn in the cross. You make Bane Easy. really skinny yep. and breaking his back long ways. And so he's and coming out on the spread cross. out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, Money. that's great because I think killer croc is probably just there as the serpent motif. It, that's true. So you keep him in because they kind of, it would defeat like, a lot. Of, also like the way they do killer croc now is he's kind of more a human. leave me alone. He's more of a Hulk. Hulk yes. just want to be left alone. Just let him do his thing. He'll be fine, right? And so, how could we do that with the serpent? Yes, like it, it could be that he. You have to see. You have to seek him out. Kind or of it thing. could just be that, like, <laughs> so I got an idea. The seduction of the serpent for Croc, for a different Croc scene. Croc scene is that he knows the way out. He could, he could he leave. can leave at any time. He just doesn't want to because he feels more safe here in the sewers below Arkham. But also, so that cool. is the lizard bringing forbidden knowledge. Yes. This, the seduction of the serpent kind of thing, he, the, right? the serpent is coming in and trying to cheat the rules that yes. Joker put down. Yes. Oh so, But Batman has to turn it down. But Batman has to say, no, I have to do this the right way. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have to do this the Well, way. he does that to an extent with yeah. the doctor where he, mm-hmm. she's like, we've got the way out. Yeah. And he's like, no, I have to finish this. I and finish I think this. if the serpent was the one offering him the way out, it would be more It'd be way more metaphorical and way more poignant. Uh, and then, like I said, we just got to add all of the Batman villains that have really received the push. Like, I don't think Penguin's interesting, so I wouldn't want no. him in it. I but they've of, really tried to make him interesting. Um, I kind of want Riddler. The Riddler just works. I just and the Riddler, Riddler can be pretty much any metaphor. Yeah. Especially because, um, be, because like the Trials of Christ are... A metaphor for the trials of Hercules. Yes. Like all the religions are one story that borrow from each other. Exactly. And so we could work that in on the Hercules side mm-hmm. of the trials. Yes. So I definitely. And would. also we've got Poison Ivy. She seems really elemental. She'd be very elemental and she will also be a source of uh, a source of, t- of temptation. Yeah. You know, like. Because Christ was tempt, was tempted by the devil, but the night before his crucifixion, yeah. So she can fit in there in that kind of way, like you yeah, said. But she she a, would a be shortcut. more of the Adam and Eve part. Yeah, she would be. Um, do you, would you want her to be the tempter of Adam in a weird way? Because Adam, technically, in this story, would be who was Adam represented as? Would you say in this? Christ allegory that well I mean Adam is. and Eve don't have to be in the Christ allegory no, that we're trying to, say, to tell yeah but just um one I think we need more women 
and really? and poison honestly, ivy honestly yes. has a bunch of the imagery there the forbidden yes. apple plants it's all there it already be done creepy and you could have her and croc together yeah for some reason even even the serpent yeah okay Ren, it doesn't like matter. they could be out uh they could be separate and they both of them are just like we want to leave yeah we want to leave or he no, knows I, the way. Or like Ivy says, I want to leave. Mm-hmm. Croc knows the way he'll take us. Uh, and Batman talks and Croc says, like, I can leave whenever I want. I just like it I here. I just like it here. This and so he has to incapacitate Ivy from leaving. <laughs> and then with Croc, he just lets Croc go. He's lets Croc go because he's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, green skin or, or flesh tone? Ivy. For creep fact. No, not green skin. No, no I hate green, green skin. skin. No, no <laughs> I just was wondering. Uh, no, and I'd want the outfit to be more primal. It'd probably have to be CGI. You want it to be like functional, like moving? Like a breathing kind of... I think her being more animated is... Something. I want the plants to be like growing off of her off almost. Of her. Like they always make her outfit look like it's made out of plants, but it just looks like a stripper made her outfit out of plants. Yeah. I want a person who actually looks it's like commanding. she's growing out of the ground. In yeah, every scene that she's in. Like, she should never have feet. Wherever she is, should be she's, she's clinging to the... Yeah. She's almost like Swamp Thing in that way. Mm-hmm. But, of course... In a well, especially better. for this, because we're just having her in for a few minutes. So we exactly. want it to be as creepy a version as we possibly we can, can do. for the shock value. And the Riddler is perfect, because what I was... The reason I went with Hercules is, like, you could go Riddle of the Sphinx. Yeah. Something like that. And, uh, I mean, also, there's plenty of people who ask questions of Christ, and it could just be the fill-in for any it, one of those and people. And he can ask those existential questions. Because that, that's how the devil tries to tempt him, right? He asks the existential questions yes. the night before. It's the night not, before. It's like, do you really want to do this? You know what's going to happen. You know yeah. the outcome. You're the son of God. Do you really want to go through this? Yeah. It's like, bat is it's the same. could be for Batman. Like, you know mm-hmm. the way out. Why are you going through all this? Mm-hmm. What's the point? Yeah. What's the riddle of of Batman? Right? Yeah. And that would be excellent. It'll be a good way to actually have a decent Riddler on screen. Sorry, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Oh man, uh, have you seen uh, Mads Mikkelsen would be an amazing Riddler. Mads Mikkelsen. I want him to be me. I just want. <laughs> <laughs> I want my autobiography or my film to be me. Uh, have you seen any of the Injustice games, like Injustice Two? Not enough to know the story or anything. Uh, it's not really story. It's just like the looks. The looks mm-hmm. you like a lot. You're mentioning. Um, is a very organic ivy. Okay. It's all facial mocap. It's a beautiful game, mm-hmm. but it makes me th- makes me think of that when yeah. in regards to her look. She should be more primal, almost almost, almost like, like elemental, the, like almost like the tree folks from like Lord of the Rings. As she's but, standing there, she's growing roots into yes, the ground exactly. through concrete. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, and then man. she herself is the tree. Yeah. And she could be. The, she could be both tree and the eve wrapped. Can you imagine if she just grows an apple, plucks it, and eats it off? That would yeah. be such a visual, beautiful thing. Yeah, and so that's obviously what would happen. Exactly. As she's talking to him, and just a part grows out and yeah. grows an apple. She's like, "Oh, would you like some?" Yeah. Batman's like, "No." <laughs> I'm on my Might Batman be too grade. over the top. I think she just eats it in front of him and doesn't mention it. Nice and subtle. Nice yeah. and subtle. We want to put the B in subtle here. The B. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, for this, um, we don't want to give away the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, now I want to get to a point where we actually do a, a ranking okay. of this of this beautiful book. Um, out of zero out of five, what would you rate uh, Grant Morrison's Batman Arkham? Uh, I guess five. It's it's the it's maximum a, of any scale five, that can dude. be given. <laughs> 
uh, those perfect books. It's a per. It is a perfect <laughs> comic book. And that's and this is coming from a gentleman who's read thousands. Yeah, you could look just around books. this room. There are thousands of books that I've read, and Bat and Batman Arkham Asylum is. Above almost all of them. It's, it's definitely the number one Batman story ever told for me. Thank you. I feel the exact same way. And it's so finite. It's so into itself that you could sub it into any part of Batman lore and it fits. Yeah, this Future could books just be, talk about this. It'll make sense. This, you could literally put this as just a random issue of Batman at almost any time. Yeah. And it's about him breaking down from the endless fight that he's in, which is always Batman. Yes. So it really, it, this could be any, this could be detective issue number anything and it would make perfect sense and and the thing that really trips me out is that no one has adapted this really like there's no real well i mean i kind of understand with what your your fans were saying that it's just really hard to How adapt do do the, uh, keep in mind that our pitches involve like <laughs> black and white animated sequences to get the and t- then <laughs> every actor who has played batman <laughs> So, so do, have fun with that, right? We're thinking outside the box pretty you have deeply. To. And I think you have to for this book. Yes. I mean, the reason you cast a horror movie and I cast like a like the metamorphosis. Yes, the metamorphosis. <laughs> it, it's because that's what this book is. It, that's what it forces out of you. It do, and it's it is not it should not be made if it is not that. That's it, why it, then it is not, then do not make it. I heard when, when the first when, when Arkham Asylum first came out, mm-hmm. and I was extremely scared because I was like, it can't be the book, yeah, because this is not made by the guys of Silent Hill, yeah. It's, you know what I mean? This is a Resident mm-hmm. Evil. It's Batman doing punch combos, yeah. so it's not obviously going to be faithful to the source material. But they went in a different direction, which is fine. But if I mean the first one was the best one, it was the best one, hands and down. it had the most stuff about this book and it had the most stuff about Batman kind of going mad from what he was doing. Oh, Even though it was the background story, you didn't have to do that story. It was still there. Another and character. I had to do 100% on that game. The scarecrow scenes, man. Oh, where, very good. Where Perfect. Paul Kent just comes out of the out of the the, uh, the plastic bag oh, yeah. and just goes into your face. Those were perfect. And then perfect. The, the levels were completely different gameplay. Like you had to fight yeah. through the nightmare. That was perfect. Perfect, right? Uh, that, those first two games were... The first two, right? And then the third one was the disaster. third one was was meh because they uh-huh. wanted to act like the cat wasn't out the bag. Oh, who's the Arkham Knight? We know it's Red Hood. Just tell us it's Red Hood so we can move, move on. Mm-hmm. No, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is not is not con. This <laughs> <laughs> got kind of bullshit, dude. Yeah, but five out of five, man. It's absolutely. I would recommend this to. It's an adult book, but it's sure. not graphic. Correct. Right. It's it's can, adult in how creepy it is. Like we were talking about the Exorcist. Yes, there's nothing that a 13 year old can't see in the Exorcist, except that it's scary as hell so, and it and will it break will, the brain. Yes, so it's it's like that. It's like mm-hmm. if you look at any one page, there's nothing where you're like my 13 year old can't read this. Yes, but they wouldn't comprehend it. That's the way I describe it to when when exactly, uh, exactly. like adult people come looking in for stuff. Uh, I'm like okay. If you're buying this for a five-year-old, there's nothing that they can't see in here, but there's no way a five-year-old is going to grasp the narrative concept. I had to research. The, as an, When we first read this as an, like, a young adult, I had to look back and research this book and read all of the weird little finer notes in the oh, back. Oh, like the new 25th anniversary hardcover. Do you have this version? No, I have the original the version that um, we had back in the day. But this one has the script in the back? Yes. Do you have that? Yes. This one also has liner notes from... I don't have the liner notes. This one has liner notes Ooh. and they're by Grant. Oh, that's so cool. So it's like... He's one man I wish I could meet. 
he's the movies that he's quoting in here are mentioned in the footnotes oh, now. So good. So like you've got to get the 25th anniversary edition. He did a whole new post introduction for this is it. this is a very lazy uh shill but can these be purchased at jeffrey's they comics? sure can every batman trade paperback ever can be purchased at jeffrey's comics so come on by or give us a call at 310-538-3198 this guy is the cadillac of men right here uh any passing thoughts on this book before we close out uh just i mean the main thought is either do it 100 percent right or don't do it thank like, you like that's that's thank you what I feel a lot of the mistakes that the Hollywood people are making is yeah. like, go to your comic book people and say, I want a movie with a tone like this. Yes. We will provide you the character to do that. Yes. Don't say, I want you to make Green Lantern like Spider-Man. Because that's then not going to work. Then we're not making a Green Lantern movie We're making a Spider-Man movie. With the green ring in it. Exactly. And so it's like, okay, do you want, do you mean, did yeah. you mean to ask? Yes. Do we have a popular DC character that could be billed like Spider-Man? Yes. Yes, we do. Because these guys it don't know. It is not fucking Green Lantern. It's not Green Lantern. Please. <laughs> None of the versions of it's Green like, Lantern would uh, fit Hello, that. it's the Flash TV show that everybody's been watching for four years. Yes, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the best Peter Parker you're going to get. Honestly, I would fan cast Grant, uh, Grant Gustafson as Peter Parker in a hot second. Oh, absolutely. I mean, As, an, I, as a mature honestly, Peter that's Parker. All, that's, all, that's what they did. Yeah. None of the stuff they're doing is the character of Barry None Allen. of it's Barry. None, None of it's Barry. Barry. It's it, all Pete. It's, it's not even Wally. It's all, no, it's all Peter and Wally. There's it's, plenty of Wally stuff oh in there. Oh my goodness. Like pretty it. much except for his romance with Iris. Yeah. Every single thing that he does. And his mannerisms. And his personality and mannerisms is Wally. And it's just that his job description and girlfriend description are, are different. Are, are Barry's, man. It's just Wally put in Barry's life. Yes, pretty and, much. And uh, take that as good because I don't have a Wally comic book to read. Exactly. So I kind of get Wally yeah. in, in a spiritual sense. So that's a big reason why. I, I one thing I love about DC that differs about Marvel is that everybody has their version of a character. Mm-hmm. Like, who is your Flash? Who's, uh, who's your Flash? Wally. My, 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 weird enough, my Flash is Barry because I came in to DC thanks to Jeffrey's comics, during Green Lantern Rebirth. Okay. I came in right in there. I've been a Marvel guy since I was a kid. That would be the only class of people that could possibly pick Barry over Wally. Yes. That you never read Wally. I never read Wally until that point. And and then I went right into Flash Rebirth. Yeah. Which which bred a Flashpoint and all that crazy stuff. I I want to talk to Jeff about this because it's like, you obviously loved Wally. You wrote him for four or five years. Yes. Why did you just throw everything away and make it Barry? <laughs> it's like, this Why was all would you, do you this? and Mark. Like, yes. You and Mark built this character from the ground, ground up. up forever. It's like from issue 62 to 100 and to 200 and something. It was two writers, basically. I think because they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to basics. But the basics can be Wally. And that's one thing. They yeah. didn't get rid of Kyle Rayner when yeah. they brought him back but they got rid of Wally when they brought Barry back and it's and completely unnecessary my whole point is that DC has lineage like DC has strong lineage and they're finally bringing it back the Flash annual is going to be does does Wally want to be the Flash again right and it's like how do you feel about a tale of two Wallys I don't mind. They actually explained it in a super cool way because yeah. uh the R Wally from pre-universe is a different Person. West cousin. Yes. So it's they're both named Wally, Wally West, West, but they are different. They have different f- 
mothers, mothers, I guess. And that splinters off. Mm-hmm. And they're cousins, so they're they're related. So, it makes so, so theoretically, sense. although they have not addressed this, both in the only in the comic books. Sorry yeah. if we're confusing you, TV watchers. Yes. In the comic books, they would technically be cousins, but from different dimensions. So they'd yes. basically be Power Girl and Superman. Yeah, Power they'd Girl. They'd be like, we're Supergirl, cousins right? that have never met. Like, I, I technically know your dad, kind of. Right. And <laughs> I technically know your mom, kind of, in my dimension. They met at a cookout. They didn't have you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had me. They had me. Et cetera. So, so, uh, so it leaves some complications for sure. Yeah. But I need it because I need Wally back. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, like my Green Liner's how? Yeah. Because of Rebirth. Yeah. Rebirth is... It's weird because you came in and started reading all of the books that were meant to be nostalgia factories for right? people much Isn't older than you. Isn't such a weird way Because like come in? anybody who's like 30, if you talk to any of our 30-year-old customers, yeah. they're like, Wally is the Flash. This Barry is garbage. Mm-hmm. And so anybody younger than that doesn't even know who Wally is. Right. And anybody older than that prefers Barry prefers because Barry, they read Barry. They read Barry back in the day. So it's like this 10-year, uh, there's like 10 years of fans who are just like, Wally is the only Flash dude. Right, get, get a then, grip. And then like there's a, a handful of people who are like, Kyle's the only Green Lantern dude. Right, like, and that's where I came in. And it's the weirdest thing because even in the animated series, it was Wally. Mm-hmm. Right, even the animated series. He's named as Wally in one episode of that series, proving yeah. that he is Wally and not Barry. Exactly. And even at the uh, the episode with the Flash Museum, they mentioned, oh my, um, they, they mentioned Barry very, very, they say, oh my uncle's um, running late. Ah. In, in, in that episode. A cute little joke. <laughs> cute little joke. And even on the, um, the, the Once and Future King episode of, of Justice League Unlimited, how's in a split second episode? Yeah, and how's this? Like, yeah, I'm on top of it. Time portals, I got it. Yeah, because they're swapping out Green Lanterns, and time was fluctuating. Because yeah. everyone's, it's funny. I read this thing, and they were talking about when um, Ron Reynolds was chosen as Hal Jordan and Green Lantern. It's like I thought Green Lantern was black. Yeah, right. Because it's mm-hmm. your generation. Yeah, a lot of people's, a lot of people's uh, Green Lantern is um, John Stewart. Yeah. Like a lot of people in my generation, because of the cartoons, well, I think don't a, know what a howl is. I think a big mistake that a lot of the comic book companies make is that they just have to accept that the movie is the dominant version. It is. And so unless you're like Marvel um, and have some control over it, yeah. you need to exert control over it or you need to change the comic books to reflect it. One way or like another. Everybody's One talking about Marvel and the argument is about that they went too inclusive. Yeah. And I would say that the it's not inclusion. It's that they literally didn't have a single comic book. Right. That reflected the movie universe, except Guardians was the only comic book that was like the movie universe. Right. It's like, I, I just read Captain America. Is Steve Rogers Cap? Oh, yeah, he is, but he's a Nazi. Or you can get the Captain America where Falcon's the Captain America. It's like, um, neither. Thank that's, you. That's funny you say that because... I always tell friends who are butthurt about the comics, like, wait till a movie comes out. It'll, the, the ship will will write itself. If you don't Except li- Marvel, the problem is, is that that was the obvious plan. Yeah. And then Marvel stopped doing it. It's like, I, like, I was one of those guys who didn't like Superior Spider-Man. I didn't like the idea. I didn't. I li- wasn't a huge fan. And I didn't like the body swap thing. Yeah. But I knew... That once Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out, Pete was going to be back as Spider-Man because mm-hmm. of marketing. Because they But you're that. saying that that did not happen with Marvel. It didn't. That's your whole point, right? I, that's my whole point. Is oh, that also so like any of these characters would be great as inclusive characters yeah. alongside 
the regular characters because you need to have a business for the people who are seeing these movies. Hey, yeah. I would like uh, I, I like Bruce Banner the Hulk in that movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, he's not Hulk anymore. He's super and, dead. Uh, and, like an Asian kid is yeah. uh, Hulk, but he's super smart and doesn't fight. But that's not Hulk, though. Yeah, exactly. It's the newest book, though. Uh, I really like the new Thor three. Do I have a, Do you have any books with Thor? No, no. Uh, it's uh, it's what's her face now. It's Jane Foster. It's Jane She's Foster. Thor. Uh, all of these books are actually well done. I love the Jane Foster Thor. But, but little... I'm saying from a business point of view, you just released Thor three, and there are no books that you can buy with that character in it. Little Jimmy leaves. I'm going to be very local SoCal. Yeah. Little Jimmy leaves the South Bay Galleria yeah. from seeing. Thor Ragnarok. He goes directly to Jeffrey's comics. Mm-hmm. I want a Thor comic. Give me the newest Thor comic. Um, Thor's not in it. Thor's not in it. And, and he Thor, won't be in it for three or more years. Three or more years. Would you like a paperback? What's that? Yeah. I'm bored. I'm going to GameStop. Yeah. Right? It, it totally... And it's also like... It's rough. It's got to be rough. And the, uh, the other thing is that just... Uh, I mean, essentially they've let Brian Bendis win. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It, and just it is ev- leaving... He's, but he's no, victorious. just every story is six issues long now. Every yeah. story. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how am I supposed to sell that? That means I can sell that book twice a year when the number one part comes out. Exactly. And every so, one of your things should be a number one. Everybody who comes from Thor should just be able to buy the next issue of Thor. It doesn't have to be a new number one. Thor 587 should be a standalone story with every, Thor in it. Any book is someone's first book. Exactly. Any comic is someone's first Marvel comic. and DC have lost the thread on that so because it's so you know profusely. what killed it for me was Civil War. Um, um, Civil War, the book, not the the film. It made a hundred and one different comics based on Civil War. You had no idea where to start. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Unless like, do I want do I want um, Punisher Civil War or do I want She Hulk Civil She Hulk Civil War? One Civil one War. Ones. And it's because like, it was the first week was the Punisher tie in and the She Hulk tie in, so nobody right? ordered enough. Um, it's just it's they've lost that art. I feel you. on Well, that. I, I I wouldn't say for Civil War because the one thing I would say is that you need to save the multi arced story and for have after. it be for miniseries. Yeah, and it's like if you want to tell an eight part Spider Man story, that's not the story for Amazing Spider Man. Right, Amazing Spider Man is for one or at most two and done stories. That is it. That's what I like about DC because DC has. A bunch of Batman books, but the ones I'm thinking about is Batman and Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. And Batman's about Batman, and Detective Comics is kind of about everything around Batman. Yes. And that's They're brilliant. Very, yeah. And also, even though those are long storylines, they come out twice a month, so the story doesn't feel as friggin' decompressed Rest. as when you're mm-hmm. reading a six-month, six-issue of Jessica Jones. Right. Where it's like... There were two scenes over that six months of comic book. Because he dragged it out so much. And it's like, because you read these books and you're like, what happened last issue? And you go back and you're like, oh, nothing important happened last issue. So like, why buy it? It's like, right? Well, it's like I'm reading, Sp- I read Spider-Man 2. Yeah. The miniseries. Mm-hmm. Did you read that? Um, That's the one with Miles and Peter, right? Yeah. I didn't read it, but I know of it. Yes. But it's like. It's so disjointed, and it's the pacing is so bad. It's, it's like six it issues paused. that should be four yeah. or three even. It's just every storyline needs to come in and have stuff cut out of it. And, oh, that's rough. And if you want to tell these long stories, you need to accept that those 
hurt your sales. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how Marvel and DC can look at their history. And it's like, we were selling a million issues when we told three stories in one comic book. Now when we tell a sixth of a story in one comic book, we're at the worst market share we've ever been in. Because it doesn't work that but way. But let's not, let's not address that in any way. Right. Let's put more 3D covers on the books. Let's put so many different variants. And and there's, there's six variants for every book that comes out from The Marvel. one variant I hate the most, and I'm sorry, is the black and what is the blank one. You don't like the blanks? I don't. Like As an the, artist, don't you want to draw on them? I do. Like I like the blanks in regards to I'm going to a convention and like I have my guy sketch it. Yeah. But for anyone just walking in, no, that's the, that's how we sell them, right? It's everybody like, plans on buying. Everybody plans on taking them to a convention to draw. Because I've done them. it a hundred times. Like yeah. I'll buy a yeah, Batman. That's the, that's that's the only that's the only use for them. Okay, but I mean, I was thinking like in regards to a mass market. I was like, why is this blank? That's just, it's really bold to do that unless you're you're in the know. Yeah. Like little but I mean, we, you shouldn't only have the blank covers of a book left right. if you're That's the guy. a store owner. That's the right. Can you <laughs> imagine you walk into a comic store and you only have the blank, um, the blank con versions? It's like yeah. I don't know what this book's about. <laughs> I mean, they only do it with the number ones and stuff. But that's cool. That's cool. Well, um, Jeff, uh, where can we find you? You can find me uh, on Instagram at Jeffrey's Comics. Yes, sir. Facebook at Jeffrey's Comics. Yes, sir. And you can find me at the actual location, Jeffrey's Comics, at 15900 Crenshaw Boulevard in Gardena, California. And you can give us a call at 310-538-3198. We'll help you find any of the books that Mike ever is talking about. Get him on the phone, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite Jeffrey moments of all time. And this is with my father when I was a young child. And this is at their original location at the Giant yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. On the, on the roof, it was a giant. I, th- I want to say it was a Todd McFarlane. It was actually Stephen Platt, but it was Stephen Platt copying the Todd McFarlane. Thank cover. you. And I mean, my dad didn't have a car. my dad didn't have a car, so we were on the bus, and we took the bus up there. And I got good grades, so I got to get a comic and a set of Marvel masterpiece cards, which nice. I used to buy all the time. And my dad went next door, and I was wandering around, and your father Jeff was like, "Hey, who's your favorite superhero?" And I was like, Captain America. And he gave me a Captain America book. And it's like, here, uh, I want you to read this. And my dad walked in and said, how much is it? He's like, well, if you buy a comic, I'll just let him have that one. This yeah. is for him to read. And I cherish that. I still have that book to oh, this day. Oh, that's awesome. And it just made me in love with your store ever mm-hmm. since I was a child. Because honestly, between between you guys and Golden Apple, which is another one of the older stores, mm-hmm. you're the closest. You're always the closest and more warmer yeah. of the stores. And... You, you, you've always had like a ever since like you've always had because sometimes comic book stores can have the misconception what I'm trying to say of being elitist or almost mm-hmm. too enclosed but you walk into Jeffries they're asking you questions yeah they're showing you the um the graphic novels they're saying what are you into what kind of Batman story do you want what kind of Superman story do yeah. you want um toys pop vinyls it's a one-stop shop, and it's and what makes it cooler is that there's a video game store right next door, so I get to do all my fixes in one day. Yep. And um, I would recommend anyone in the California SoCal area to check out this store. I mean, that's just one of the things is that we always just try to help people find what they're looking for. We right. Don't, we don't care if we like it. Uh, if you like it, you, you know, if, you, I, if I like it, I'll talk to you about it. Yes. If I don't like it, I'll just be like, here you go. Here you go. Yeah, uh, if you want. want more like it, this is where they are. Yes. And it's like, I can't do a sales. I won't do a sales pitch on something I don't like. Like right. That's, uh, that's disingenuous. Yeah. I'm not going to be disingenuous. Like people ask me. About something, yeah. Like, oh, it wasn't my favorite. Yeah, so definitely check out 
Jeffrey's Comics. It's um, it's one of the oldest existing comics, it's right? The oldest comic book store in uh, South of uh, San Francisco and South. It is the oldest comic store in uh, California. That's lineage, ladies and gentlemen. This is yeah. a DC comic into itself. Is this fortieth uh, year this year? Oh. No, November or October? My dad opened it like September or October. So I can't wait to see what you guys are going to do. Well, it's also 40 years for our other location in Santa Monica. Yes. So Heidi Ho is turning 40 as well. And That's we're cool. moving. Yes. At the same time. So I will be probably focusing a bit more on the Heidi Ho celebrations. Yes. But when I invite people, I'm going to try to get them to do one thing at each store. I mean, it's not like to quote uh, Clueless, everything in L.A. takes 20 minutes. Yeah. So go to both. Yeah, exactly. Get you somebody who can do both. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. This has been amazing, Jeff. Um, I, want oh, to thank I had a ton you of fun for doing this show, uh, talking about this amazing book that honestly is like a fine wine. It gets better with age. Absolutely. I open it oh, again. Yeah. Every time I read it, and especially because like the first time I read it, I was a young man yes. and didn't have the concepts that were required it's to guess what is going on. It's like on watching here. an older. I remember I, I saw Robocop for the first time in a long time because mm-hmm. like, I used to watch Robocop as a kid. Yeah. And I watched it again as an adult, and it's so different. It's funny. It's funny. And it's like, I don't remember it being, being funny. funny. <laughs> right? Because all of those jokes were for adults. Yes. Like, and now I'd that buy like, that for a dollar. I'll buy that for a dollar. You know, g- give me my fucking phone call. Yes. <laughs> it's on the actual, like, table. But this book just grows with you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's as smart as you want it to be. Yeah. And it, it will give you opportunities to learn as much as you want to learn. And learn about yourself, too. Like, it's what all the best fiction does. And <sighs> you see what Batman's challenges are, and you can kind of put your own challenges within them. Absolutely. It's it's so... It, you can wear it like a coat, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. especially on a nice rainy night and on, on how this book starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if there's howling wind and lightning. Howling wind and lightning and on a dark and really stormy scary night. when you read it. Yes, it has to be uh, real. Hopefully your power is out and you're reading it by candlelight. Yes, as soon as the Joker part comes out, the candle, the, the all the lights go out. Power goes out. Bam. And now you're scared. And mood now light. you're in the spooks. <laughs> mood lighting. Scary mood. Scary. Scariness intensifies. Mm-hmm. As always, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, and iHeartRadio. And I will always ask to please leave a like, comment, or subscribe because it helps the channel grow. And it will give me more insight on what I can fix because I am not a perfect man. And the <laughs> I am a flawed human. And I can will take any kind of consideration. I think that's one thing that a lot of people have kind of given up on. Like with the internet culture of Yelp and reviews online. They've yeah. given up the idea of actually conversing with the people they do business with. It's like, because it's like when you have, a ne- if you have a negative experience at a business, you... Like you need to tell the person who's in charge. Yes. Because like if you had a fight with someone who's just running the cash register, I, I as a manager am never gonna know that happened. I am. so like you can yeah. say like, Oh, I had a bad experience here and if all you want is to just vocalize your own feelings. Yes. But if you want to actually improve the world, the way you do it is interact with people. Yes. And so you've got to say like because we have some bad reviews where it's like, oh, they were helping 
they were helping their friends and it's like right. they're not necessarily our friends they're the customers who have been coming for 10 years we know exactly what they want this conversation this conversation started 10 years before you walked in the door <laughs> exactly so it's like do you would you rather go to a store that treated new customers better than its old ones right like you have made a complaint that is just about you and not about the actual and world of usually, business and that's yelp it's someone who doesn't understand Giving a point of view from their only point of view. Yeah, I just uh, just because uh, we were talking about yes. it, like oh, if you have a bad experience in a comic book store, yes, make sure you tell the owner. Yes, like find out who the owner is and make sure they know if they're aware that it's a bad situation and they're not doing anything, then you can judge that store. Yes. But just keep in mind at any store you go to, like Mm -hmm. the guy who's getting paid minimum wage to work there is not necessarily the face of the business. He's not going to be passionate about it as much. He's the face of the business that day, but that's not the business. Yes. And so one bad experience should not be enough for anybody to write a bad Yelp review. It should require... Like two trips where you were treated poorly in the same way. Yeah. And I'm going to give you some inside baseball because I actually work with um, something called reputation management. Oh, wow. It And what it pretty much is, it's training businesses to react to these situations that may be volatile in regards to a Yelp review mm-hmm. or a bad review. The first thing you do is you triage the situation. You don't ignore it. You immediately respond. You you find out what the actual issue is and you and you make it public. So if I was to read a bad review, let's say, for a restaurant, and I see that the owner jumped into the conversation and wanted and tr- worked to rectify the situation, that would make me respect the business even more because I see that they actually care about the opinions of their clientele. Yeah. And it's, it's, one, of the, and it's one of the hardest things to sell to someone because no one wants a confrontation. Yeah. And nobody wants to actually acknowledge. Oh, I mean, that, then that would be my 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 recommendation for the business owner's side. Yes. The business owner's side. honestly to be, if you're only going to respond negatively, don't respond to Yelp. Yeah. It's a, there's no point in doing it because, like, there's a couple, like, that you go on and you see that every you negative one yeah. is, is, like, a fight from the owner. Yeah. And it's like... That it's, looks worse than the bad that reviews. That looks worse do. than not saying anything. Yeah, just leave the bad reviews because honestly, at this point, most people who review who use Yelp know that there's crazy bad reviews. Yeah, on and, there, and there's a difference between I couldn't find parking, zero out of five stars. Yeah, and the customer service was horrid. I felt like I was I was um, isolated. Yeah, there's two di- there's two different kinds of reviews. But as a store owner, you have to understand. Oh, I feel Yelp needs to separate the two. They need to separate the product. That you're providing because mm. that's a that's a way that you're rated and the service that you provide. It's, that's it's two different it, things. It's two different things and also two things that people care about in very, very different levels. Yes. Like, I don't really care about service in a restaurant. Like, as long as my glass never gets empty and the food right. isn't cold, our, our interaction is done. I don't need a how you doing. I don't need conversation. Yeah. I don't need anything. Nobody needs the glad hand until they feel like they, they, was, they need the glad hand. Yeah. It's all about atmosphere and it's all about uh, representation. Mm-hmm. And, if you're, um, and if you're on the customer's side, like Jeff said, don't judge a book by its cover. And a lot mm-hmm. of times you walk into a place, that person may be having a bad day. They may and not feel like to be too over the top. Yeah. And you need to talk to someone a little bit upper to explain the situation. To And, call, you know and I, mean? I mean, also just in general, 
I think people don't know what it's like to run a small business. Yeah. Like the amount of pressure that it's on for anybody who owns any small business is massive. Yes. Like I do not come in and read comic books. That is not the job of a comic book store owner. Right. I have to be balancing spreadsheets about cost benefit analysis. I have to. Yes. Uh, check every issue every month to see if it's still selling what it sold last month. Yes. Like I haven't sat down and read a comic book in probably a month. Yeah. It, and uh, it was just, to, I'm like, I sat down, I was like, I'm reading all of metal because I'm behind. Yes, all I'm of behind on all of it. Right. So here's like 12 great. issues for me to read on a flight. And that right. was the, the way I got the time to read it. So reputation management. I tell my clients all the time, the bad review is your strength. Mm-hmm. You want to jump ahead of that. You want to tackle that because every, everything's good until it's not. And you, you see the true sign of a business when you get that negative review. And if it's if it's an incoherent claim, then you could just dismiss it. Well, the, pro, the problem I have with Yelp is they don't dismiss it because they don't some, dismiss it. They're supposed to dismiss, it, dismiss incoherent and rude claims. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I've got two. And they, and they have just never been revealed. You have to removed. contact them. You have to. Contact I've contacted them. them. I, I mm-hmm. think Yelp is garbage. Like as a business, I think they're criminals. They're very much criminals. Um, in in regards to uh managing this information. Yeah. They just let it go up there like like a blog post. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They just let it air, and they don't under- and they don't understand the weight that this affects on businesses. Yeah, they don't care because they Google, don't. They completely understand the they, weight because they cause call Google you and ask you, you to put advertisements those. on it and call you all the time and ask. Because I'm gonna tell you two things I would ding you as a business on Google is your content being correct, making sure all your information is correct across all of your online uh, representations. And your rating scores, yeah. your ratings have to be at a certain place for Google to rank you higher, mm-hmm. even in a macro search. Yeah. And so if you have a five out of five rating, you just type in the word California comic book, you're going to come on the top of the page no matter where you are. Okay. But if you're halfway there, I think it's going to drop. I think Facebook were like 4.5, yeah. Google and Yahoo were like 4.5, and Yahoo is you always be. a bit harsher, so we're four. Yeah, because it's it's not perfect, in the inco- and Google's a lot more uh, stronger on on monitoring nonsense versus actual issues yeah you know but yeah so please like comment and subscribe on this podcast um and i thank you for your time um i'm of course your host mike g and this has been uh jeffrey from jeffrey's comics yo yo sir and i will always ask you to um keep reading loyal listeners and loyal readers thank you you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. 
you cancel service. Remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus 30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile. The most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus 30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate.